Let's start the show. Welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. I'm Will Smith. Joining me today as all wait, hold on. <laughs> Something's different. Man. Uh, the really status got, quo has we, changed. We really got to you. <laughs> I, I don't know where I am, man. Uh, Norman, the island. Norman Chad is on assignment. Uh, and, and I say assignment with air quotes. What I really mean is he's taking pictures of scantily clad girls in costumes at Comic-Con. That's an important assignment. It is, mm-hmm. it is serious business. Somebody's got to do it. Journalism. Right. Shit is getting real down there. Taking Norm's seat today is Bradley Shoemaker. How you doing, Brad? Doing well, man. This uh, is my first time on a podcast where the music is dubbed in live. Oh, really? So I got to like <laughs> bop my head and tap my toe through that whole thing. So you, now I am pumped to be on this podcast. So you, now you, you know what the tested music sounds like yeah. in a way that you really have no idea what music uh, plays during Giant Bomb. Indeed. The indeed. Giant Bombcast. That's, that's true. Uh, to Brad's left in the uh, seat normally uh, taken by Gary Witta, who is also on assignment. He's off making movies or something. Uh, Matt Braga. How you doing, Matt? Hello. I'm doing well. Good. You're wearing a shirt that looks like it came from San Francisco. Uh, it is. It's. Uh, I bought it in the hate last week. Me and Norm bought the same it's shirts a, together. It's a wow. Your twinsy shirt. Yeah, we bought. This is one of the twinsy shirts. That's an expensive oh, place to be buying t-shirts. <laughs> they, they actually were a little pricey. I'm impressed that you got the pronunciation right. Usually, non-San Franciscans it takes a little while to stop pronouncing as the height or the or the the different bad pronunciations of the hate. So no, no, I I got it from the get-go. Norm has been good about teaching me. San Francisco the pronunciation. Yeah, except when it comes to things like house. Right. Oh, okay. Mouth. Okay. Pop quiz. Yep. Yeah. G O U G H. Pronounce it. Go. Wrong. No. Golf. There you go. G O U G H. Golf. Who who are you? That, that is the most contentiously named street in all of San Francisco, huh. in, my, in my experience. Okay. Well, the, there's the ones with the Spanish names. Oh yeah. That's always a challenge for me because I'm from a place we don't have streets named <laughs> sure. the Spanish names. Sure. So you say it in a very sort of like white man's accent. Well, no, it's Noriega. like it's like uh, Junipero Serra is J U N I P E R O. So I was uh, like, oh, that's Junipero Serra, right? right. <laughs> El Camino Real. It looks like it's El Camino Real. I mean, I live two blocks off of Cabrillo. Yeah, you know that's how you pronounce that's that. That's just though, accepted, right? you know, <laughs> that you're going to screw those. Is up. it Cabrillo? Is the L like a sign? Probably. You're from you're from my part of the country. It's too. True. It's true. We we're not big on learning down there. Yeah, them words is hard. Um, so yeah, uh, Brad and Matt taking yeah. the, taking the, uh, this is, this is the first non-norm podcast we've had since last Comic-Con, I think. Wow. So this is, uh, you might say this is the BMW of podcast lineups. The, the, wow. You've been, uh, you've been working on that. No, haven't you? <laughs> that came right to me. Wow. Off the top That's of the great. head. Wow. Brad, Matt, Will. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Okay. That's good. We're classy. <laughs> As opposed to the gnaw or wang, <laughs> yeah, the indeed, traditional. Indeed. Uh, so a lot of news this week. Uh, first off, if you don't want to hear Apple stuff, I would suggest fast forwarding probably 25, 30 minutes from yeah. this point. Because uh, yesterday – was it yesterday? Yep. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it seems like, like two weeks ago now. <laughs> but yesterday was the day of roughly 50 million Apple releases. Uh, we'll start with the, with the big one first. Start with start start with what's first first. You know, I didn't open my show notes already, so I have Ooh. to open that. Wait for that to load. I'm well, we know the passwords. Lion's coming up first, right? Uh, you know, I think we should talk about Lion first. Yeah, I think Lion is a good place to start. This is OS ten point seven. Yep. Yep. Seven. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
Snow Leopard been out for what eighteen months now, probably. Uh, yeah, that's about right. Little, no, no, almost about, about fourteen, probably. Yeah, over over a year after I started here, mm-hmm. and it was primarily a back end update. You know, uh, making the OS more multi core friendly, sixty four bitting some things that weren't sixty four bit before, yep. adding extensions for like uh, g- uh, general purpose GPU computing so that apps can tap into that. I haven't seen anything that actually does that yet. It's been a year and a half now almost. Well, I mean, if you want to talk GPU improvements, though, I mean, Snow Leopard did do a whole lot for gaming in ways that Leopard didn't. Well, not sure. not not huge, huge improvements. But, I mean, if you compare running Steam at launch to Steam now, it Well, that's just driver stuff, though. No, too. I know that, but... Um, so, uh, Lion is cosmetic, for the most part. I mean, there's some back-end stuff that, that changed as well. Yeah. But, for all intents and purposes, we, we've talked about this a lot in the past, so I don't think we need to really get into it a whole lot. But you guys have used it now. I've, we've all been using it some longer than others. You installed last night or yesterday afternoon yeah, or something? Yeah, last evening. Mm-hmm. I've got maybe three hours. Okay. So, so the but... new is is barely scraped <laughs> off. Yeah. I don't know that I like the new so much. Well, okay. What so, are you running it on? Are you running uh, I'm on, on a, a I'm on a late 08 Unibody, like the, f- okay. the very first, like bought the day after the Unibody launched. It's, it's you and me the both. MacBook that then became the MacBook yeah, Pro. Yeah, it was the 13-inch it's MacBook without the Pro. The MacBook who lived. Basically, yes. <laughs> Uh, Timely joke. <laughs> I, it's on. It's on everybody's mind. Yep. Um, it's. It's. So, uh, my thoughts. I'll just jump into it. There are two things that they've done to OS X. One is they've made it work better on small, lower resolution screens. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the mission control stuff. The integration of expose and spaces, and the removal of the scroll bar, and all all the gesture stuff that is really super laptop centric is clearly designed to make this work better on 11-inch, 12-inch, 13-inch laptops. Which, when you look at how hard they're pushing the air, I mean, it makes total sense. Uh, they, they've they been pushing the air now. Well, I, we haven't gotten to that yet, but... They're going to sell a lot yes. of airs. Okay. <laughs> uh, the other thing is that they've making, they're making it more iOS-friendly. Uh, like, they're, they're giving hooks that make the OS more accessible to people who've never used a Mac before but are familiar with iOS, is yeah. what it feels like to me. Launchpad, App Store... The the dumb natural scrolling thing, all of that. <laughs> I stuff. hate that word natural. Yeah, like they're it's implying loaded. that it's better. It's so like, loaded. Yeah. yeah, it's like oh, the way you've been doing this for the last decade, that's not natural. It's the wrong you, way. Yeah, like, like you are a crime against nature <laughs> if you think that scrolling should be the old way. Well, so okay, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. Natural scrolling means that if you scroll with the touchpad, with you know two finger scroll on the touchpad on on the Mac now. Mm. It works the same way it does on the iPad. And I'm going to go ahead and admit something. I never noticed that scroll, I scroll one way on the Mac and a different way on the phone or the iPad before they actually said – before they changed it. Before they called the you out on it. And we're like, oh, it's natural. This way is natural. Because the idea is that on the on the tablet or the touchscreen, you're pushing mm-hmm. the paper the way you want it to go. Sure. And it, it's, like, it's like inverted controls on on games. It's the same thing. Which are also completely wrong. You're an inverted header, <laughs> though, no, right? I'm not. Oh, you're not. As okay. we all know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it just seems seems a little dopey to me mm-hmm. that, that this is really well-established way. Like, I see putting the option in. I'm fine with that. But defaulting to it and not give, not having a pop-up at the beginning of the experience that says, oh, by the way. No, they, had, they have a pop-up. Not on upgrade installs. Yeah, they yeah, did online. I, I didn't. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that is so I, weird. I just went in uh, with it hooked up to a mouse and a monitor. 
and went in and started using the wheel and everything oh, was going backwards. Yeah. I thought I was going crazy for about two minutes. That, see, that's interesting. So I think then the way it works is that if you have a mouse plugged in at first boot, it probably won't show it to you. But for me, I just had my MacBook Pro. I just had the laptop and it showed me a window. I have it in one of the stories. I threw a screenshot yeah. of it in. Yeah. And, it, and it does this sort of thing where it says, hey, this is the new scrolling. This is how it works. Um, get used to it. It doesn't actually tell you you can turn it off, I don't think. Um, you have to kind of find that out for yourself. But okay, so that's interesting. If you have a mouse plugged in, that doesn't show up. I if anyone can confirm that, that would be kick-ass. That was I, definitely my experience. So I upgraded without a mouse plugged in, mm-hmm. but I did the developer release, and then I upgraded the, the release release yesterday just to see what would happen. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't see... Interesting. I didn't see the pop-up. I can't remember if I saw it during the initial install. I kind of remember seeing something that said, hey, natural scrolling is this thing. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's been a while since I did that, so it's diff- I, I, I don't know that I can say for certain. But definitely didn't see anything yesterday. Mm. Well, I have to reinstall today, so I will definitely know for sure when uh, when that happens. Yeah. So, um, so that that's the iOS stuff is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. The Launchpad thing, I think, it takes the worst part of iOS yep. and 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 puts it in a situation that it just accentuates how bad that is as an interface is the, the list of icons to browse it's not really sorted in a way that makes any sense at all to human beings i couldn't I, even tell how it's filtered and categorized so it he, seems like there's some kind of arbitrary categories in there so here's how it works <laughs> stuff that was installed before you installed lion uh basically shows up on the fir- well okay first off apple apps apple default apps and iLife and iWork apps show up on the first pane the second pane starts alphabetically all the stuff that was installed before you did the Lion upgrade. So if you have Photoshop installed, Adobe, all the Adobe stuff is there, and that's alphabetical. Anything you install after the Lion upgrade is chronological order from the end of that list. <laughs> so it is it – is, that is a, it's a terrible experience. It's a UI disaster. Yeah, it's it's really bad. There's no kind of search. Typing stuff doesn't quick t- take you to the to the. If you hit S, it doesn't take you to the S's because the S's are spread all over the place. There's some S's on the front page. There's some S's on the on the big alphabetical pre-lion list, and there's probably some S's after the the stuff you've installed. It's it's really weird. It's kind of unappley. I, I don't. It really makes me worried that they are really locked into this whole grid of icons thing. Which, like I said, I think is the shittiest part of iOS. This is probably a good time to remind people that Spotlight exists in the corner of your screen. Well, so Spotlight, which you normally access by hitting Command Space, mm-hmm. is one of those things that is great for power users, yeah. but not a dad feature. No, no, I know. I'm just – I'm more talking for – the people who listen to this podcast probably are – Well, um, that's, that, you know. that is true. Um, Those people are into launching software quickly, yeah. <laughs> which, which which may not be uh, – or Spotlight may not be the best suited thing for that. Maybe you but like to hunt like, for your apps. Stuff like Alfred is out there. I don't even know why you would use Spotlight. Well, so I use Spotlight because I'm cheap and didn't want to pay for Alfred. Well, there's a free version of Alfred. Oh, fair that, enough. That will launch apps much faster than Spotlight. So, OK. I don't use I don't use Alfred because I don't switch modes often enough to need – like a like I don't I don't need to switch between a development environment and a writing environment and a browser like say Dave does sure because I know he uses Alfred specifically to to manage that kind of transition from I'm working in Photoshop to I'm coding to I need to browse the web to I need to fuck around on Twitter. Um, I have basically two modes: I fuck around on Twitter or I'm in the browser. Okay, right? I mean, realistically, <laughs> sure. at the end of in the being in the browser, usually there's like cropping a photo. Not not something that is dra- dramatically important for uh, – but that's just the way I work. For me, t- tapping Spotlight, tapping the first three letters of whatever app I want to launch is totally sufficient. Um, but it doesn't work for people who don't know the names of their applications. Yeah. 
Uh, and I can see that, you know, having the big friendly icons does make that better for mom and dad. But I don't know how many mom and dads there are out there anymore that don't know how to fucking click the applications menu and launch it. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> I, I, I fundamentally don't understand taking the bad thing from iOS. And, and, and the funny thing is Launchpad doesn't work on the Mac. For the exact same reason that the spotlight stuff doesn't work on the on the iOS devices very yeah. well either, because it, like the, the t- on screen keyboard not a good experience either when you want to do something really fast. It's easier just oh this is on the third page, bam, it's launched. So anyway, that that stuff is there. Mission control really cool on the laptop. I think it's a lot less useful when you're using a desktop, especially if you have multiple monitors hooked up. Just because if you have the screen real estate. That comes with a desktop monitor, 22, 24, 30, 27 inch desktop monitor. Kind of virtual desktops isn't as important as it is if you're using an 11 inch laptop. Agree, and, disagree. Well, I mean, w- what was the experience like for you when you were running spaces and, and mission control and all that junk when you had it on two monitors? It was a little, a little odd. So, so yeah, the way that works is the spaces are tied to each desktop, like each desktop. Moves when you move between spaces, it moves both monitors. They're yeah. not independent, which makes sense. I don't know how they would manage that if they if they were independent. That seems like it would be a real usability nightmare. Mm-hmm. But it, you end up it ends up making full screen apps completely useless on the dual monitor situation, which is fine because full screen apps are kind of a laptop thing anyway. Um, but but it's not. It's, I, I don't know. I, I can see the thing is the more screen real estate you have, the less useful virtual desktops become. Mind you, if anyone ever releases a hack that almost turns it into like a carousel, because that's the way I was hoping it was going to work. Yeah, I was hoping we'd have two layers and you'd be able yeah, to move you, independently. Like you just shuffle them off to the side back and forth. If someone makes something that does that, I am totally sold. I will pay money for that. So the thing that I'm finding I'm doing with mission control and mm-hmm. spaces on a multiple monitor situation. So I have a 30-inch monitor in my laptop set up next to it. So I'm using the laptop screen as a small secondary screen. What I've done is bound the stuff that I use most frequently, like TweetDeck and IM, to all displays and just put them on that second display. So they're always on the second display. Okay, yeah. And you can do that. You can you can lock applications to a single display. So you can say, oh, I only want – or a single desktop. You can say, I only want mail on desktop two because you know I want to keep all my communication stuff and just check in on it occasionally but not have it leap out at me. Um you and then and then or you can set it to show on all desktops, which is where like using that on the second display makes a lot of sense, I think. Um, I, I'm not sure how that works with full screen stuff, though. Yeah. I, anyway, uh, I like I could see if you're real mail, if like your job requires you to be in mail all the time. I could see putting mail on the second display, setting it to do all dis- all desktops. And, and that totally works. Um, the other stuff that's changed is they iChats changed significantly. I don't know. How you guys felt if you had multiple iChat services uh, services hooked up to iChat? I know everybody probably uses Addy. Yeah, I, 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 I can't yeah, envision use anyone iChat. using iChat in a world where Adium exists. I, I use iChat because uh, video stuff doesn't work in Adium. Mm. And you're heavy. Person, I never video. Well, now you no, got, I never now you got use FaceTime, video. So. You've got Google Hangouts. But I have that. I, I like having the little button. I like having the green button so I can see who else is using Mac on my a Mac on my friends list. Or a Mac but not using Adium. Can you set up sort of like, you know, grouping tiers where you can have like the has-nots and the Mac-nots? No, I don't know if you can do that. No? But what you can't – But so what the new thing does is it's a unified contact list. Before – the reason I didn't use iChat in favor of Adium for a long time is that I think it's dumb to have a – like I have two uh, Google Talk accounts and one AIM account hooked up to iChat. Yeah. 
that meant that I had three separate friends lists that required management because each service had its own friends list. Oh. And there was no kind of way to unify that stuff previously. Oh. So now you, there's an option that, that is on by default that puts all of your friends in one contact list regardless of what service they use. I like that. Which makes it more Adium-y and more Trillion-y and more uh, uh, Digsby on the PC, whatever. Yeah. It's a much better way because, like, I don't care if they're on AIM or MSN or Yahoo or whatever. I just want to know that if I want to talk to Brad, I tap on Brad and he pops up. Boom. Um, that's good. The new more iOS email I think is a pretty big improvement. Um, but I don't I – don't, I am mm. new to mail clients. Like I use mail clients for a long time. When I started working here, I just was using web-based Gmail, which has its own host of problems. And I'm, mm. I'm just coming back to mail clients so for you, the first so time. You have not spent a lot of time with Leopard and Snow Leopard mail? I use Leopard Mail a lot. Okay. I have not used Snow Leopard well, Mail at all. Snow Leopard Mail was thing, essentially right? the same thing. Yeah. I, I think it went 64-bit. but So I, I got my hands on this new mail yeah. like, maybe an hour ago. What do you think? I, the first thing first, I did, first impressions. I, I immediately set about trying to make it look as much like old mail as I possibly could. <laughs> So Interesting. What did they the, – the thing the way – the thing that changed it is it used to have a left column that was full of folders. Right. And it was then like a list like of a, mailboxes like, in, in a vertical left column and then you had – well, I think it was – I think that was the default view. They may have had the uh, – Maybe that was a tr- – that used to be a tray and then I think they made it part of the app with right, Leopard. Right. Um, and then there was a list kind of, of a, messages and a preview like, below. Right? So it was your standard sort of mail client. Like yeah. it was like yeah. – It, look, yeah, it looks okay. like Outlook. Yeah. The traditional three-pane layout. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you don't like the iOS mail? I – Maybe I just fear change and I haven't gotten used to it, but I, I don't necessarily see the inherent benefit of one over the other. The inherent benefit for me is that you don't have to scroll in the in the mess in the preview pane. You get a full length preview, so you, like there's no. The reason I like the iPad Mail is that I can pop down the the list of messages. I see the whole message. There's minimal scrolling, and I can either delete it or file it or respond immediately. I think that. I don't think that there's any – I don't think there's a huge benefit to one or the other, especially if you're on a big monitor. If you're on a small monitor, the three-pane thing kind of works really well when you're in landscape mode yep. because, you know, then you don't have – like I don't care. I, I As I grow older, I use folders less and less. Like I either act on the mail or I trash it or I guess that's – that's <laughs> those are the two things I do. Like I don't I don't file away – all the giant bomb related emails I get into a giant bomb folder. I don't sure. file away all the iPhone case related emails into an iPhone. I used to do that. It was an enormous waste of time. Now I'm just I'm either responding it or trashing it and moving on. I don't I don't want to I don't want to totally derail this conversation. But yeah, that's what we do you, here. Can you briefly comment on your uh, your twice a day email methodology? Oh my god, yeah. Oh, okay. has, this, has this already been discussed at length? No, we haven't talked about it at it all. Sounds it sounds like something I need to know about. I, so so <laughs> just. Uh, one of the things I've always I've always kind of had productivity. I, I'm easily distracted. Yeah. In case you guys didn't notice, yeah. Um, so one of the th- like one of the things talking to Gina Trapani over at Lifehacker years ago about how different people manage mail, and they always have these really interesting conversations about like productivity tips and the 43 folders thing and all that. That's all way too regimented for me, right? So I am incapable of doing of of having. A, this is a task that I need to accomplish in the next seven days. This is a task I need to accomplish in the next three weeks. Basically, I have either I should do it right now or ignore it. What's right? the 43 folders thing? Uh, the 40, Is that what it sounds like? It's The 43 folders is that you prioritize things based on when they need to be done. Oh. And you have folders for the next 43. You have a folder for the next week, the next month, 12 months. And like I think the folders are for the next seven days, the next two weeks, the next month, the next – 
six months in the I, wow. uh, it's I can Google it. It's cool. You should look it up on the internet. We can t- discuss it later in depth. It's uh it's just a productivity. It's just a different way to approach task management, right? So yeah, your approach. Go on. So my approach, which I stole from Life Lifehacker and then modified to suit the way I work, is that I I I literally I have I don't have future action in email. I don't use that as a way to look at tasks that I need to do down the line. If I have tasks that I need to do down the line, I put them on my calendar and mm-hmm. I set an alert. And when it when the alert pops up, I just do it. Um, I took away all of the stuff that does pop up notifications on my desktop. Okay. So one of the things that I find is that if I'm trying to write something, whether it's a script or a story or whatever, like a three-hour chunk is kind of what I need to get going really good and like the first hour is I'm slow and the second hour I'm getting faster. And by the time I get into the third and fourth and fifth hours, I'm I'm blasting like a thousand words an hour and mm-hmm. I'm going really, really fast and I'm producing good content. The hard part for me is getting to that third hour, right? Because there's constant distractions. We're always going off to shoot something or to do a podcast or any – go to lunch, whatever the distractions are. So I try to set up when I need – when I have a project that I need to work on, I try to set up a two or three hour block. The problem comes when your email thing pops up and says, hey, you have a new email 45 minutes into that three-hour block. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to check email. Email's fun. That's better than what I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah. So I go over to do email and then it takes another – then that resets the clock on the getting to the product, pro, super productive second and third hours. Hmm. You need a long period of unbroken momentum is what you're saying. I, yeah. I need to – it takes me a while to spin up. Yep. Um, so I turned off email notifications – I turned off the Bing noise when email comes in. Yep. Turned off the noise when IM comes in. I set the IM icon to, to b- bounce in the dock like for three or four times. So I can glance at it, see if it's something I need to respond to right now, or if I can let it sit until, you know, it's time to, time to, to until I'm done doing what I'm doing and, and whatever. I turned off Twitter notifications. Mm. I turned off notifications on my phone. My phone doesn't Bing when I get an email. Uh, and, and I literally, Think, okay, I'm going to check email when I come in in the morning. I'm going to check email maybe around lunchtime. Like if there's if there's 20 minutes before lunch where I'm done doing something else and there's not enough time to start something big, then I'll go back and revisit email. And then I check it again toward the end of the day and that's it. Hmm. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, nobody noticed. <laughs> Never once did somebody say, man, it took you an hour and a half to respond to that email. What the fuck, man? And sometimes if there's something important coming and I know it's coming, then I'll keep an eye on it. But getting out of that... Every time – getting out of the habit of letting email break break whatever you're doing and being the number one priority in your life is very good. It sounds hmm. liberating. I highly encourage this sounds, behavior. It sounds glorious. I, I'm super conflicted with this and it's because you – You're an addict. No, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm an addict but I would just say that it's, it's weird when – because I mean I don't only do work for Tested. I also do work in more of a traditional journalism environment as well. Right. And I mean that's tough sometimes because I feel like there's there's been this sort of mentality ingrained in me whereas if like I am not available at almost all times, then I'm kind of not really fulfilling my role as Well, you have a different you have a different email has a different level of importance for you than it does for I, I, me. I guess. But I mean at the same time too, it's like I find what you're explaining right now really attractive. I think that's that's something that I I feel like if I could build a hybrid of that, I would be much, much happier. Because I'm the same way as you. I need a block of time where I can write. Um and if I'm getting that email or I'm getting those messages, like it it's it totally derails me. Um, yeah, every time you every time you stop doing what you're doing, yeah, it, that's 
Mind you, I mean, part of the way I get around that is is I haven't gone to the extreme of turning off notifications and stuff like that. But if I do have a block of time that I need to write, I will just quit everything. Right. Like, I have no problem quitting email, quitting Twitter. And then that just, you know, totally, like, I don't have to deactivate them. I can choose when to have those notifications, which is kind of nice. Well, so, so but, one of the things that drives me batty is the mm-hmm. default notifications on TweetDeck are are oh awful. Oh, my God. Well, so especially for someone like you, because, I mean, I, I, I know a lot of the folks here who probably follow us don't have as many followers as will. But when you have that many people who are probably at replying you all the time, I mean, yeah, I mean, gotta, I get sixty or seventy at replies a day on, yeah. a, on a slow day, <laughs> and I mean, I try to, I read everything, yeah, I try to respond to most people, but it's, I mean, it is like you have to do that in a block, yeah, you right? have to sit down, you don't, you don't do those as they come in, or that's going to be all you do all day long. <laughs> Um, I think if you just started every day by uh, making a boilerplate Independence Day two post, that would probably filter out like maybe sixty percent of those. Uh, yeah, I, I mean the nice thing about that is that every time Bad Boys is on, I know I can go, I can just flip on HBO. I'm like, fuck yeah, Bad Boys is on. It's ten o'clock on Thursday morning. I'm gonna be in late, guys. <laughs> Um, uh, so, I mean, so you mentioned that uh, you've been a webmail guy for a while. I've been a webmail uh, guy so, for a like, while. Is there anything about the new mail client in Lion that has brought you back to mail clients? And, like, is, is there anything that, that facilitates that that specific way that you work with email? The, the thing for me with the new mail client is – with mail clients in general versus webmail is that the performance on Gmail – remember how when you first started using Gmail and you were like, wow, this is really fast. Yeah. That's not the case anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have noticed. <laughs> yeah. That shit is slow. Yes. And so using the mail client, it actually gave me the impetus to go pay 10 bucks for Sparrow and start using that, which I've – just because it has the Gmail uh, spam labels. books and labels oh, and archive man. stuff built in rather than kind of having to kludge it in by using weird folders. Yep. I, I find – like I'm using Sparrow as my mail client now. I've switched to using – from I, traditionally I've used a PC as my main environment and used the Mac as a secondary. I switched to using Lion as the main environment just so I could test more. Um, I think I'm probably not going to go back because Sparrow is pretty rad. Now, you, you kind of touched upon this earlier, both you and Brad, but m- I think my complaint with the iOS style of mail and also Sparrow style of mail is that I like when I have something like Thunder uh, Thunderbird or webmail in general, um, it will list – like I can see more of my messages at a time in that sort of like overall view than I can in Sparrow. With Sparrow, I can see maybe the last like six messages that I've received and then I have to scroll to see more, which – I mean, I guess maybe that's not a problem for you as much because you deal with all that mail when it comes. But I kind of like having an at a glance of like the last 20 messages in my inbox. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I have been doing inbox zero for a couple of months now. Yeah. And where do you put it all? Do you delete it or trash. do you, do you really well, trash it? archive? Okay. I mean, the nice thing about Sparrow is you can match the archive button. It goes in the archive. Yeah. With uh, OS 10 mail. I think I, I can't remember if deleting an OS 10 mail on Gmail archives. archives. Yeah. Um, I like to have the granularity of being able to delete the stuff that I that I really am never ever going to need again, yeah. and archive the stuff that I feel like maybe it's going to be useful if I need to find a search. Or See, I used to do that though, but then the issue I got into, and I, again, not to derail this too much, is that you end up like if you ever go into your archived mail, you literally just have this hodgepodge mashup of like everything. Like it, it seems like unless you're really really good about archiving and labeling, then things can kind of get out I, of hand there. The, it's like you're just hiding the mess. No, no, no. The thing the thing you're doing wrong is you're trying to organize it. Just search. Yeah, I, I stopped organizing. Like organizing email is like herding cats. It's a waste of time. You, you're hmm. when you're getting. I mean, I don't know what your email volume is. I'm sh- sure with the pre R list you guys are on, you're getting two three hundred messages a day. Yeah. And if like just dump that in a folder, and when you need to find the THQ dude's name, search for THQ. Yep. 
Fair enough. I mean, that is the benefit of using Gmail is that the search is really, really good. Mind you, it's also, and this is maybe more of a general tip for everyone, it's also really, really handy if you set up, um, I guess, uh, what do you call them? Not filters, but... Uh, um, rules, rules, yeah, yeah, rules. Yeah, rules. Yeah, totally. Because I mean, you can you can do you can do global rules. So it's nice because I can set up like any email address um, or any message that comes from an at google.com address yeah. goes to my PR. For, like it's yeah. great. Uh, anyways, well, maybe I'll do an ask tested about this because like my email filtering stuff. Like one of the things I always have problems with is mm-hmm. there are some mailing lists that I want to be on. Like yeah. I like to buy Puma shoes. And I like to know when Puma shoes are, you, are, are cheap. Are you being dead serious right I'm now? I'm being straight up dead serious. <laughs> you guys can laugh all you want. But no, I'm, I'm just saying I get the emails from those stores. Uh. I glance at them to see if they're selling classic styles or like soccer cleats. And if the so- classic styles are 50 bucks, I'll go buy some shoes. I'm learning new things about you today. Well, but, this well, is <laughs> Well, but the thing is I don't want that stuff to be front and center. And it's, it's literally something I look at for half a second and then boom, delete straight in the trash if it's mm. no good. So – you know would priority inbox help with that that's actually well, so, something i haven't messed around with so this much. is this is the other this is the next step the priority inbox stuff is really really good but also kind of dangerous because it adds another layer of, of places shit can get lost because hmm. right now you have the accidental spam spam deletion which is bad yeah um and if if you start only looking at the priority inbox like i've been tempted to turn on notifications again for stuff that hits the priority inbox because that that I don't know if you guys are familiar with what that is. No. But basically, it's a Gmail feature that looks at it, it uses the same kind of stuff that it uses to determine what's spam and what's not spam to determine what's important to you and what's. It's like a reverse spam filter. Interesting. Does it work well? Because I mean, I've it never works just pretty well. Oh. Um, if you train it a little bit and and flag the stuff that should should have been priority and wasn't, mm-hmm. then it uses. The main criteria seems to be who sends it. Okay. Uh, if it's sent directly to you and you don't get a whole lot of email that's sent directly, so like. I get a lot of PR list email that it's sent to PR list at so-and-so.com and it doesn't have my email address in it, but that stuff's kind of important, but it's like skim and then archive, yeah. not, not action item most of the time. Um, the, the, so the priority inbox, if I get an email from my dad, that shows them the priority inbox. If I get an email from Mike Tatum, that shows them the priority. If I get an email from somebody at whiskey, that shows up in the priority inbox. If I get an email from a reader that's sent directly to me, that shows up in the priority inbox. These are all good because these are things I usually have action – take action on. So what's the difference between doing that and then using something like labels? Because I mean I, I tend to – again, I have rules that tend to hurt all that into like a folder or something. So if I get an email from a reader or from a PR person I've never heard from before, okay. I have no way to set up a rule. With this, it can it can kind of – like it, can, it, it looks at the domain. Hmm. So if like – if somebody – if I talk to people at, at Edelman a lot or yeah. Waget a lot. And somebody new from Wagged sends me an email, and I don't have a Wagged filter set up, then it'll probably say, "Oh, you you converse with these people a lot. We're going to put this in priority inbox," and it'll kind of prompt you and say, "Hey, should this really be here?" I kind of like that. It's That's... a it's a good feature. Now, mind you, that does again force you to use the web client. Like, there's no way to get that sort of thing in a Sparrow. I think or... that works in Sparrow too, but I'm not. Oh, sure. does it? Wow! If it does, then I would be. Um, hmm. You can hack it into your phone interface. It works better on Android than it does on iOS. Really? The thing is, without full support across all the places I use email, yeah. it's much less valuable than just, you know. Well, that's like labels. I mean, that's, that's yeah. I think, one of the big great things about A, using Android and B, using Sparrow on my Mac is yeah. that I get label consistency. So if you're just – if you fast-forwarded because you didn't want to hear any Apple crap. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you might want to go back Keep and going. listen to the email stuff because it was pretty good. Uh, but let's – so anyway, Lion – people are up and down on Lion yeah. in a way that I didn't expect. Um, the, if you're using, if you're primarily a notebook user and clearly Apple is thinking 
the bulk of their Mac business is going to be mobile going forward um, based on the changes they've made. It's a good upgrade. It's well, I mean, it's thirty bucks. There's no reason not to spend thirty bucks on on OS updates. I mean, you kind of have to, right? Like yeah, Apple, yeah. Apple's more aggressive than anybody about yeah. about jettisoning old technology and old, you'll, old support for old stuff. You'll right? get security updates for what, yeah. like six months, and then that's it. If Bam. you stand still, exactly. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, you couldn't even upgrade to like. I know a lot of people are upset too that you can't uh, upgrade straight to Lion unless you have Snow Leopard right now. Um, which I, I know. I pay know. your Apple tax, sir. No, I know. I know. I guess the, I guess That's the, the point. I guess the full install on physical media is going to be what sixty nine dollars. I think. Yeah. I so, so they're going to sell a USB key in the store. It'll be sixty nine bucks. I think that's coming in August or September. <laughs> oh, um, really? Okay. And the volume license stuff, I, I still haven't seen. I know there's a there's a fact about that. I don't know what the final no details pricing, on that yeah. stuff are. Um, the nice thing about the App Store install is. The normal App Store rules apply. You can download it on five different computers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you a secret. Once you download it, you can just put that .app on any Mac and it's just going to work. That's <laughs> sure. Snow Leopard. Not suggesting that – but I mean you, you can it's install possible. it. On, if you have five Macs, you can install it for $30 on five Macs. It's a pretty good deal. Yep. Um, so what's the volume licensing for then? People with more than five Macs? Yeah, it's for businesses. So we have 30 Macs that are that are yeah. that need Snow Leopard in the office. Couldn't you just buy five of the thirty dollars? But license? then we'd have to install log people into the App Store, and right? Right, right, right. In the ass. It's not. It's not. Probably what'll happen is that they'll will buy thirty licenses and then just copy the app from one machine to the next across the network, and that covers you. Yeah. And that, and then we're covered. Yeah. So anyway, the however. Lion is not the only big Apple news this week. Oh wait, are we moving on? I haven't. I didn't oh, get a chance. To, I didn't get a chance to bitch Sound about off. gestures. Oh, yet. bitch! Yeah. Oh god, <laughs> you don't like gestures? Oh no, I love gestures. I okay. hate what they've done to gestures. How so? Oh they've, yes, they, they just they reassigned a lot of the the different kind of finger combinations. I you know, love like you, Brad. You've got, you've got four fingers up and down. Yeah, they've added this weird pinching. The, the pinching claw. one is bad. The, the pinch. I hate the pinch. Yeah, the pinch. The pinch is broken. The biggest problem is that you can't. Uh, you can't arbitrarily uh, assign specific gestures to specific functionality anymore. Like in yeah, you can. S- some of those no, cases, most some, of them you can't. Some of those oh, really? cases you yeah. literally cannot redefine. At, like so, if you want a gesture to expose straight to the desktop, yeah, you are you doing have to use the pinch, that fucking claw, yeah, or you're turning it off. That's the, it. Oh wow, I didn't realize it. that. That's I what the, I've been bitching about for the past two weeks. Yeah, you bitch about a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, they just, just arbitrarily removed. Uh, customization and functionality. Well, so they let you. Com- they there are some gestures you can you can control, like the three finger up, three finger down. You can set to be more or less whatever you want. So that's what's so arbitrary about it. Because no, some you can of those set that those, to be four fingers, the three fingers. That's it. And that is, no, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. You can set because I, I set three fingers down to be. It was originally Launchpad, and I set it to be show the desktop. Three fingers down isn't Launchpad. What was three fingers down before? Three fingers down is expose for Windows in the current app. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I'm pretty sure I customized that. I'm almost positive you. It's can't. possible uh, okay. I didn't. I don't have the. I don't. I don't have the. The machine in here isn't. Like anyway, Snow I'd show it, you. It just. It just seems lion. completely arbitrary. You look at that list of uh, different things you can assign gestures yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Some of them you can redefine. Some of them you can't. Well, and the other thing that I know people are complaining about, and I think this is pretty lame too, is there's no expose for all open applications on the machine anymore. Unless you, if you use Spaces, if you have multiple virtual desktops. There's no – you can't see all the yeah. open windows on the machine. The only way you can do that is if you only use the one space. Yep. So that that's kind of janky. Too, well, it's, it's, it's killed the fundamental use for expose really. I mean it's, it's kind of slimmed down expose and turned it into you know, more of a space-centric thing, which sometimes, I'm not a fan of. Sometimes to make omelets, <laughs> you got to break eggs, Matt. 
I, I complained about this mm. on Twitter, and the number of people who told me to get to go get Better Touch Tool seems very telling to me. Wait, yeah, Better Touch Tool works with Lime? I guess it does. That's what I, I don't know for sure, but people okay. seem to think it does. But I mean, point being, you know, if that many people think you should have to get a third party app to fix this, there's like a fundamental problem well, here. So they're presenting a lot of these gestures as if they're new. They've actually been around since Leopard, I think, probably since the first yep. glass tra- trackpads had. Um, just the controversy over the natural scroll versus the other thing. The pinch gesture, totally agree, doesn't work right. Like I still don't know the difference between the one that shows me the desktop and the one that shows me the launch pad for one, no reason I can one tell. One is outward and the other one is inward. Yeah. And uh, then it gets stupid because when you go outward, sometimes like going back inward doesn't work. Like you have yeah. to do another outward. Like yep. it's, yeah. it's super janky. So, so that's – yeah, that's another fundamental difference was in, uh, in Snow Leopard, you used the same gesture twice to enable and disable. Yeah. So if you had four fingers down, oh. you did it once to turn whatever on yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then you did it again to turn it back off. Yeah, so on mission – Now you have to go down and then And then up. reverse. Yeah, to so mission it, control, you go up and then come back and down. And then back down, or, right. Yeah, or tap. And, and like the claw, for instance, uh, so it's, it's three fingers kind of at a diagonal it looks like and the thumb yeah. on the opposing diagonal. Right. But half the time I've been doing that, it's been reading that as three fingers straight yes. up. I guess I'm not like torquing my hand. Oh, that's to, weird. And so it's really bad at recognizing that new gesture. I'm getting I'm oh. getting results other than what I think I'm going to get on, yeah, a regular, that, that, on a regular basis. You never just, want unpredictability. It feels awful. What's yeah, kind yeah. of helped with that, I find, is if you take the three finger gestures and turn them into four, which I, I swear that's what they used to be anyhow, um, then it makes the claw a little bit more reliable, mm-hmm. um, but not a lot. It because just, sometimes it just reads it as four fingers anyhow. It's just it's shocking to me that it seemed so elegant in the past that we're even having this conversation. I, I, I think, well, I think the thing that they realize is that people like gestures and the added level of complexity, like they wanted to give more power to gestures and then they fucked it up is basically what it seems like. I, do you, I mean, do you th- are they, are they big enough to admit a mistake and, and go back no, and re- fix this or well, is it just stuck with how this is? Should I go get better touch tool and just move on? I, maybe. Like I, I hate the idea that it's something is so fundamentally messed up. You have to fix it with third parties. So my, my feeling on this stuff is always that like, it's the same thing I felt about the natural scroll. Stick with it for a few days, like force yourself to do it. See if it gets better. It's not going to, I think in this case, given my no. experience with, I think everything but the pinch I can get, I can get behind the pinch is the pinch and, and spread is weird. Um, it better really just might be the good, good, good out to solve this problem. It honestly feels like a case of them just running out of fingers or running out of gestures that they could use to, to bind to things like yeah. it's, it's, well, there's, there's, a, a there's always been a don't not invented here thing with Apple. It's frustrating. Yeah. if you're a power user, one of the things that bugs me is that you can't bind. Like I have a, I have a five button mouse, a normal PC mouse hooked up to my Mac. Yeah. Cause I fucking hate the, the magic mouse. <laughs> um, and you can't bind thumb buttons you can't bind mouse buttons to mission control, yep. that, all that kind of stuff, which is what I – the natural use of those buttons on the mouse. So I'm going to have to go in and load the – hook it up to the PC, load up the Logitech software, bind those buttons to the keyboard shortcuts that I need to use and and on from there. Wait. Does that load into like some kind of firmware on the mouse? It loads into oh, firmware on the no mouse. Kidding. But it's for, yeah. It's a gaming mouse feature. Okay, that's that's just some models, I assume. Like, it's like not, not. G9, G5. Okay, the, I, I use a, I use an MX518 with. Oh, my, you can do that with that too. Uh, yeah, I actually uh, use USB overdrive on that works too. Yeah, that that yeah. works pretty well. Yeah, and that. USB over, uh, Lexus was telling me USB overdrive works on OS 10 uh, online. Yeah, I'm using already, it right so. now. Sweet. So yeah, uh, I haven't found any apps that are particularly incompatible. Some stuff's a little bit weird, but for the most part, seems like seems like like if it works in Snow Leopard, it's going to be okay in Lion so far. Yeah, unless you're Gary. Uh, next topic. Well, even Gary's screenwriting stuff works. Yeah, no, it works now. They've yeah. updated it. So. Yeah. Um, new products. 
MacBook Air, hey, Mac Mini, cinema display. I'm going to talk about the cinema display first. Yeah. Norm's not here and I can do whatever I want. <laughs> um, cinema display is a Thunderbolt cinema display. And they've done the thing that we talked about when they announced the Thunderbolt stuff. They've basically made it a docking station that connects with one little tiny mini display port cable. And you you get like a PCI Express by four by one channel. I can't remember which one it is now. Get everything. Yeah. So you get Ethernet. You get USB ports. You get um, Firewire. There's something else I'm forgetting. Oh, uh, the camera, the FaceTime camera, which I guess used to be called the EyeSight camera, which before was just called a webcam. Uh, the microphone, all that stuff connects directly to the PCI Express bus through Thunderbolt in a way that suddenly makes the MacBook Air, which we'll talk about in a moment, look like a really super hot desktop replacement kind of computer if you don't need to do heavy CPU lifting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been 24 hours since you explained to me how all this stuff works, yeah, and I am still aroused. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it sound, I mean, I, I bring a, like I said, it's a fairly older unibody. Yeah. Back and forth to the office every day. I plug five different things into that laptop when I put it on my desk to get it working. That with sucks. The keyboard and mouse and monitor and Headphones, all that stuff. All that shit. Either mm-hmm. like Ethernet, two different USB cords. Yeah, uh, the, it's a drag. DisplayPort, like yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. This, so this, this sounds sexy as hell. So this get this <laughs> takes you to a place where you have literally a power plug and a mini DisplayPort. You don't have to plug Ethernet in. So I guess that that's. I mean, this is clearly a product designed to pair with the MacBook Air which I guess we should talk about now. Um, MacBook Air, same basic chassis. They've updated it to use the Sandy Bridge processors. So Core i5, du- uh, dual core, Core i5, Core i7. Uh, the 11-inch is, I think, 1.6, 1.7. Is there 1.8 in the 11-inch? Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you yeah. can do i7 in the 11-inch, Yes, yes, right? you can. Yeah. yeah. That's what Norm's getting. So uh, for the, the default 999 model, as Gary would say, mm-hmm. Is uh, a Core i5 1.6 gigahertz, two gigabytes of RAM, 64 gigabytes of, of storage, SSD storage. Very similar to the old model, but with Sandy Bridge. Two two gigabytes looks great, mm-hmm. except two gigabytes. Yeah, no one should buy a computer with two gigabytes. This is a skew that's mm-hmm. going to go away the first time they refresh these product lines, and they're going to move the four gigabyte model down to, to the to, standard nine nine nine. And that is when I will buy one. Yeah. So. Um, it's it's a really compelling computer with a modern processor. The knock against the first MacBook Airs, the first second generation MacBook Airs, were that they were really woefully, you know, it was a three year old core. Yeah, it's core core two duo. It wasn't competitive. It's Conroe, I guess. Yeah. It may have been may have been the uh, uh, Penrin. 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 I thought Penrin was Pentium four. I'm bad at code names. Anyway, <laughs> it was an old processor. It, it was somewhere between like netbook style. Atom processors, which are woefully underpowered for real computing, and like the the new hotness at the time, which was Core i five i three. So this is this is a big jump in CPU performance, even though it remains dual core. What uses Core i three these days? Is that pretty much being no Core i three is low end machines, so like it's, super it's, low end. It's like uh, six six hundred seven hundred dollar laptops that aren't ne- super powered netbooks. Mm. There's a lot of uh, there's you can buy Core i three iMac twenty two inch iMacs or Core i three. Are they really? Oh yeah. wow! You can buy it's. it's That's got to be phased out soon, though, right? It's all it is is a low end Core i five with less cash. Yeah, it doesn't it's it's not a bad processor if you're looking for a cheap cheap computer to browse the web and check email and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, anyway, yeah. What do you guys think about the new MacBooks? I'm gonna keep waiting. You really? Yeah. You you were ready to go. I, 
You had your Not wallet quite. out on Tuesday. It was like a, it was like a pie in the sky. Man, it would be great if I upgraded. But like I, uh, the thing I've got is still pretty functional. Yeah. Okay. Core core two duo or not? It's it's I, I could probably get another year. How's out your head. shoulder holding up? Good. Five five six pounds. <laughs> pretty good. Back out. Did you switch sides? No. Okay. It's five pounds seems totally fine it's in not the back. Bad, for me. Well, you're it's young. Really, you know, I was as young as I used to be. But. Well, that happens to all of us. <laughs> Matt, you're sticking with the 15 incher. I am in the exact same boat as Brad. I have like the identical laptop. Um, it's funny you were talking about weight because before that, I had an HP model that was 17 inches and like some ridiculous like nine pound beast. Yeah, 17 a- inches is great for a laptop that never leaves your living room. Yeah, it was it was stupid. Um, yeah, with this, I mean, my my laptop is definitely nearing the point at which I will have to replace it, but I think I can probably hold off until next year's refresh. Okay. Even even if I was in upgrade mode, I, I would feel a little wary right now just because it feels like they're in like a transitional phase. You know, it's like the... Yeah. I think we're probably, we're probably going to get to this. I think it's on your list, but it's like, you know, they've got the 13-inch Pro still, but yeah. they haven't been giving it its due, you know, the last... Well, it's still it's it's an i three right? the thirteen inch Pro now the, just top to bottom like the last refresh of that hmm. thing they didn't they failed to uh, upgrade the resolution on the screen yeah uh, a bunch of other little stuff that it looked like it should get based on what was in the air uh, that, and they haven't been so it seems like they're going to just phase that out at some point well I think the thirteen inch MacBook Pro is a is a product that is short for the world exactly that's yeah. what I'm saying yeah. like I want to I want to see where they it feels like everything's kind of up in the air with their product lines right now and I, I want to see where it all lands before I make any commitments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, I agree. Mm, yeah. Um, but we'll uh, see. Yeah. So the 13 inch MacBook Pro right now is a, it's an i5. So it's a real processor. Okay. It, it's a real computer. Well, no, because for a long time, the 2009 unibody, the one that I have is yeah. a Core 2 Duo. It's yep. the same thing that's, that was in the MacBook Air. Yep. Uh, and I got about the same performance on the MacBook Air, as I got on my five-pound laptop. Mm-hmm. Storage issues aside, 64 gigs, when I when I used to keep a lot of music on my laptop, kind of not enough space. In a world where I'm just subscribing to audio and don't give a shit if I have music and videos and stuff on my laptop, mm-hmm. 64 gigs is awesome. Yeah. I mean, 128, much, much better, obviously. If I were buying one of these MacBook Airs right now, I would go out and get the 11-inch. Uh, 128. The 11-inch uh, 128 store. Hands down. Uh, to four gigs of memory. Uh, unfortunately, my MacBook Air money went to cutting down a goddamn tree from my backyard. <laughs> you could have bought how many MacBook Airs like for that? five, six? <laughs> Take all that lumber and build your own MacBook. Oh. Tree. Uh, so yeah, I'm not getting a MacBook Air this year, but maybe, maybe you know, maybe sometime soon. So here's my question. Yes. Um, and you guys probably are both in a good position to answer this. Uh, the Intel HD 3000 graphics card in this thing. What will this do? What can it do? It's really good at rendering video and playing Counter Strike Source. Will it play Team Fortress? Probably not well. But it, if you crank well, everything well. down. Well, no. It's one of those things if you like, want to have shadows and stuff turned lower. up. That's true. Yeah. Low resolution helps. Shadows turn – you turn everything down. It will be fine. Mm-hmm. If you want to have shadows on, you want to have all the specular highlights and HDR and all that stuff, not so much. I've just – I've finally come to terms with the fact that you're never going to get an ideal gaming experience on – Right. 13-inch or below in the Apple product line is just not for games. They don't care. Yeah. 13 inch below in the world is not. Uh, Alienware makes some stuff. There's that Alienware M11X. Yeah. Uh, That's super niche. Right. Exactly. I mean, this is a super mainstream laptop, the new airs. Mm -hmm. At some point in the future, there will be a graphics chip that is capable of playing real games on the PC, especially as PC gaming continues to change. Um, (laughs) But I I don't think that time is now. We're going to need a couple more like iterations of Moore's Law basically before that happens, right? Yeah, pretty much. And we also need PC gaming to get static and not – you know, 
the actually the Xbox the Xbox being the base model for the the target platform for mm-hmm. games and being a what six-year-old, seven-year-old GPU at this point yep. is great for playing games on 11-inch laptops. <laughs> Still not going to look that good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think there's room in those small, tiny machines. And, and you know, the, the thing with, with graphics in laptops is when you add – most people, when you ask them what the number one criteria for – uh, there's two criteria that people care about in laptops, especially in 11-inch, 13-inch sizes. Mm-hmm. They care about weight and they care about battery life. Yeah. When you're looking at something that has eight or ten hours of battery, you're not going to get that with discrete graphics. Yep. And they don't want to have to have two – they don't want to have, have a discrete GPU that gets turned off two-thirds of the time. <laughs> it's, 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 it's just not a thing that's going to Because, I mean, what are the two things you need for a lot of gaming performance? A lot of juice and yeah. really effective heat dissipation. And I was going to say it's are passive on the MacBook, right? Yeah, on the so it's all yeah. passive. Yeah. So even on a gaming laptop, when, you, when, you, when you're playing – even like an old game like Oblivion that's essentially yep. a first-generation Xbox game – it's, you're, you're going to destroy your battery even if you have a giant-ass gaming mm-hmm. laptop with a big battery. So – that's that's probably the worst thing. I don't I don't know if you've noticed this on your MacBook, but when you run Boot Camp and you're forced to use the discrete graphics card, um, what is your battery life like? Like an hour? Yeah, no, yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. Well, Windows, Microsoft, uh, Apple has always said we don't optimize battery performance on Windows because they want Windows. I actually, yeah. yeah, I actually gave up on the dream of Boot Camp. Yeah, it's removed the partition. I mean, it just yeah, it's not I'd, it's not an ideal experience. I'd rather have the space for MP3s. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I upgraded my hard drive, so I keep it around for LAN parties. Uh, so then the last thing, of course, were we good on MacBook Air? You guys yep. feel yeah, I think so. Resolution stayed the same. I think the, I think realistically the resolution on those Airs is as high as you can get it on those size screens. I think it's fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, again, I mean, that was what offended me so much about the last refresh of the 13-inch Pro was that it's still at 1280 by 800 when these – these airs with the same size screen are getting much higher resolutions. Well, but it's a it's a choice, right? Because the pros have IPS screens and the airs don't. Really, that's my understanding. Mm. Wait, that... the pros have IPS now? Looking, I... yeah, looking at the viewing I angle that was on only... mine. No, ours don't. I don't think one? there's any way that mine is IPS. Maybe the newer ones do, but ours definitely don't. I'm gonna go look again. We're killing podcasts here with <laughs> fact checking. That's okay. What the hell's wrong with you people? Um, hey, you know what I want? I'm, I'm perfectly content to just continue talking out my ass if you want to. <laughs> oh, no, you're right. <laughs> close that browser. We can move on. They are not saying it is a uh, IPS. They're saying it's backlit, LED backlit. Yeah, that's so, it. LED backlit. Yeah, I, I always – you know, we, I think we made this mistake on the podcast before and a shitload of people emailed us about it. So Got, got really upset. Um, I feel like the display on, on the Mac – on my 13-inch MacBook Pro, the 2009 unibody looks better than the MacBook Air uh, panel, the 11-inch MacBook Air panel. I, I mean, pixel even, density is good. Though. Even if, yeah, even if that's true, I would be willing to make the trade-off for yeah. a higher resolution. Well, and give people the choice. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, Mac, Mac Minis, kind of interesting from a home theater PC front. They killed the optical drive. Yeah. I, other than that, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about these. So, it's, what's, what's the deal? They're basically the IMAX, but in a you know smaller box with no screen. Okay. So it's the same. They're a Thunderbolt. Uh, they're running i5, i7, depending on what you get. You can get them with server installed still, which I guess is what. If you want to have – like in a business like ours where we have 30 Macs sitting in the office and nobody backs theirs up, yeah, running a time, running a, a, a Mac Mini with a bunch of storage attached to it 
and using that to back up all these machines using time capsules probably not a bad idea. So with the removal removal of the optical drive, is this thing thinner or does it just have like two hard it's drives same, in it same now? Same size. Oh, okay. So do you have room for two hard drives now? I, th- I think you can do an SSD uh, slash hard drive combo. Oh, huh. Uh, and I think that they're probably – I'm not I'm not 100% on that and I don't want to continue killing the podcast with fact checking. <laughs> no. Um yeah, well, I mean, people people can get the gist of this from the website. I mean, Wes wrote up some good recaps of all of this. Uh, yeah, it's well. all on the site, basically. Yeah. Um, it looks like, yeah, you. Uh, so the the two point five gigahertz model, the high end model, mm-hmm. uh, you can put a SSD or an SSD and a seven hundred fifty gig hard drive. So, uh, but you have to build to order those. Do those desktop CPUs do Turbo Boost as well, or is that just a uh, mobile? Yeah, the, you mean Speed Step? Speed? Uh, no, not Speed Step. You mean, you mean where? Yeah, everything does Turbo Boost now. Oh, okay. Hm. Uh, these are are these quad cores though? These are all dual. dual so t- Turbo Boost, I should know more about this, but is Turbo Boost the same? Is it similar in concept to Speed Step? Like, are, is Turbo Boost something that people can like turn off or always have on, or how, how does that work? You can on Max. Okay. Uh, Turbo. The, so Speed Step clocks the clocks the CPU down yeah. when you're not using different. Well, when you're not using particular parts of the CPU, like if you're not using floating pro- point processors, it just turns that off. Yeah. It also will reduce the clock to make your battery last longer. Yep. Uh, Turbo Boost works does like kind reverse. of the same thing in the other different. direction, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so the idea on Turbo Boost is if you have single threaded applications, which even today most applications are still single threaded, mm-hmm. uh, but that are CPU intense. So if there if the CPU spikes hundred percent on one CPU, but the other three, two, three, four cores, whatever you have, yeah. are sitting idle, it will turn off those other cores and crank up the clock on on the one that's being used. Uh, it's that's more of that's more useful in quad core situations, honestly, than dual core. See, the thing about that that's always, you know, got me, I guess, is that are these then CPUs that are theoretically clocked at higher than what they're yeah, actually definitely. rated? Okay, so then what's to stop you from? Okay, so is it only one core that's able to only go up? one? Well, no, any mm. of the cores can go up, but it'll turn off all the other cores at the same time. So it's a thermal. It's a thermal. It's a thermal. It's thing. a thermal thing. So with appropriate like cooling and such, what's to stop you from cranking all four cores up to? If that's no. you know nothing, how, no. nothing? The, the answer is nothing. So are these? So are, I mean, is the current generation now of like i sevens and i fives really, really great for overclocking? Ma- yeah, massively. Yeah. yeah, wow. People, people are routinely doing like three point five and up. Right? Starting close, with like the nine twenty. Yeah, starting with the nine twenty, which I think was like a two point six six gigahertz processor. Yeah, because I've got the nine thirty right now yeah, at you, home in my desktop. Um, but I wasn't aware that it had turbo boost capabilities to it it may not i don't think is it, it does is the nine hold on is the 930 a 1366 or a yeah it's a thir- uh, 1366 two sticks of memory or three uh three okay I'm triple channel um depending on whether it's i'm not the right person to ask about this because okay. i'm not a cpu overclocking guy hmm. um but my understanding is that yes you can overclock the shit out of those the multipliers are still locked on all but the the processors that are like the black ones that are black is the is the um amd, AMD you know, thing well you know what i'm talking it's about the yeah. extreme processors on the yeah. intel side uh so you have to do uh you you have to overclock bus speeds and stuff like that but that's still super easy to do is my understanding yeah you do need pretty intense cooling and you can't just do it with the turbo boost stuff. You have to do it. Uh, you you have to do it the old fashioned way. Yeah, no, I know with all the multipliers. Yeah. Fun, um, fun, fun. So yeah, uh, Mac Mini. It's kind of interesting as a home theater PC. If you want to put Plex or something like that on there and, and use it to yeah. stream content or play Netflix in your living room or play Hulu in your living room. Uh, I mean, it's probably time for us to do a how to on that stuff. On setting up, uh, on setting up Plex with Front Row and all that. Is Front Row even still in? Front line? Row was gone. Wow, that Front didn't Row last long. is axed. Um, what would you recommend for an input device if you were to do something like that? Like, like, a, like, a, like a Bluetooth a, mouse or uh, 
I mean, in the old days, I just told people to use front row and use the Apple remote. The remote. Right? The, the IR. The IR. Right? I mean, or you can use a, a Harmony with an IR blaster mm. or something like that. Uh, the, the, it's, it's tough, right? The trackpad is actually surprisingly good in the living room. That's one of the things I did do is I <laughs> took my Mac to the TV. I used the Magic trackpad. That works pretty well right up until the moment that you need a keyboard. I was about to say. That's... At which point you have to go dig out the keyboard. That's oh, always a bummer. That's terrible. Uh, Logitech makes a little clamshell that's Bluetooth that has a mouse and it has – I don't think it's a mouse. I think it's a nubbin uh, and, a, and a small like almost phone size keyboard. Yeah. That's really good but it's expensive. It's like 115 bucks or something like that. Uh, beyond that, there isn't – there's not a ton of great remotes. Uh, I know that the XBMC guys have a prototype. Yeah. That they're working on that's very similar to the remote that shipped with the boxy box. So it is a XBMC. It's a remote to work with XBMC and those and those types of programs. So Plex, XBMC, Boxy. And it has a small keyboard on the back and it has a much better remote on the front than the boxy box shipped with the D-Link one. So we'll see how that shakes out. I mean, I, that that product, I think they said they were going to start sampling in August. So we should be seeing we should be seeing early hardware on that soon, I would think. Um sweet. But I, I mean the interesting thing is no optical drive on the Mac Mini either, which there's there's kind of no reason yeah. to do that other than just, you know, fuck out optical drives. You don't need them anymore. Yeah. Uh, this is – if you want to get into Macs and you don't want to spend $1,000, this is pretty much the cheapest way to do it also. What's the, uh, what's the starting price? I think it starts at $599. Okay. And goes up to eight or $900 depending on how you build to order. Crazy. So, yeah. So that's the new Mac stuff. Uh, the other thing to note, no more MacBooks. They're gone. Like oh, the, yeah. the white polycarbonate. No plastic MacBooks. Dead. Gone. Nothing. It seems like the MacBook Air. Everybody said this was going to happen. They were right. Mm-hmm. The MacBook Air is the new entry point uh, mobile Mac. I mean, that thing was really starting to look like a relic anyway. Yeah. Like, MacBook Air or not, that thing just looked yeah, the, old. The peril of having a really strong design strategy is that shit that's three years old looks ancient. Yeah, it just doesn't fit anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, no different than a white iPod or white plastic iPod or the the candy color iMacs from the early 2000s. I mean, God, remember when it, everything was transparent? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Remember, well, remember when iMacs were all white instead of metal? Oh, well, that wasn't so, so bad. long ago. But the, the colored, yeah. the, the, the clear colored plastic, it's like yeah. the worst thing that ever happened to industrial design. Yeah, with, yeah. with, with goofy, goofy, bright indigo colors. Remember they all those goofy no, names they had, too? No, they had, they had fruit names. They were yeah. grape and orange Ugh. and red. Yep. Yeah, but later on they relented and they did smoke and <sighs> indigo and <sighs> – yeah. I had to maintain a bunch of those damn candy color <laughs> IMAX. That was terrible. I have two that I want to turn into fish tanks. I wish That's I could have shipped That's not a bad idea. I know. That's a good fish tank project. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Wasn't, there, wasn't there an EMAC for a while? Yeah, yeah. that was the same thing. The though. educational thing. Yeah, okay. It was just an IMAC that, was, that they sold exclusively oh, okay. education. That's actually okay. what I have is two EMACs. Uh, th- so, oh, one other thing we forgot to mention. Hey. If you buy a MacBook Air... Buy the one that you're going to want for the entire time that you own that computer. Oh, yeah. Because it's they're not upgradable at all. That's, yep. that's heartbreaking. The SSDs are soldered to the motherboard. The RAM is soldered to the motherboard. You can open it up and change the battery, but that's pretty much it. And even that's kind of hard. Yep. So don't buy the two gigabyte one thinking you're going to upgrade to four gigabytes later because it don't work that way. What's the biggest SSD that they're offering? Uh, 256. 256. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's workable. Honestly, yeah. as as I move stuff like music and music to the cloud and I'm using uh, I, the iPad to watch movies on the plane and stuff like that or iPhone or whatever, I find storage on notebooks is much less important now than it was six months or a year ago. So yeah. – no, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say the, the only exception is if you're doing things like video editing or audio editing or – I mean even big photos, if you, if you have an external USB drive that you use to store your photos, I think you're probably okay. 
with a with a 64 128 gig MacBook at this point. The two gig RAM limit is dopey though. The, yeah. Don't buy the two gigabyte one. I wonder what the theoretical like. I guess what would be the uh, limit on RAM for that uh, chipset? Probably eight. Probably probably it's limited by space on the motherboard more yeah, than I guess it is that's by. True. Because the theoretical limit for for the these uh, the 1156 socket chipsets, well, I don't know what chipset they're using in this, but I assume it's one of the mobile mm-hmm. mobile variants of the um, P68, right? Okay. Is that it? I think so. That's I'm, the most recent I'm one, right? Bad with model numbers. Um, I, I would assume that it's that you can put 32 gigs of memory on there without any problem if if there's space for it on the board. Uh, the other thing is, the more memory you put in, the worse your battery life is. So yeah. you don't want. You know, the memory is one of those things that stays powered up the whole time. They can't turn off bits and pieces of memory. Mm-hmm. So a four gigabyte laptop is going to be worse memory performance, worse battery performance than the same laptop at two gigabytes, which could be why they did the two gigabyte model. Mm-hmm. I still think it's worth four gigabytes is the sweet spot unless you have really specific needs that are going to go beyond four gigabytes. Is, are, are we talking like like a fraction of a percentage or is it like actually a significant draw? You know, I don't know. That's something we should probably do. It's something that wouldn't be too hard to test. So we should do that. No. Yeah. Get out your tools. Get out your I don't think get voltmeter or whatever. Well, no, just to take – run the battery down a couple yeah, times okay. with four gigs. Sure. Run it down with eight gigs and run it down with two gigs. I was going to say Norm has – Norm ordered the four gigabyte model. Yeah. Um, and if we get a you know two gigabyte model in-house, then we – There will be different turn. clock speeds though. Oh, that's true. Norm upgraded to the one point. Yeah. So did he just go whole hog? Did he max everything? He maxed everything on the 11 inch, except yeah. for the 256 gigabyte SSD. I think. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that, I think that's. I think what Norm ordered is actually probably. The, I might not max yeah. the CPU. I might just do the one step up, the mm. 1.7 gigahertz CPU. But four no, gigs what, of memory. Huh? No, it only goes from 1.6 to 1.8. I thought. I thought there was a 1.7 in there too. It, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Know. Who cares? The thing is, CPU speed is really pretty irrelevant at that speed and yeah. for that size uh, machine. Memory is super important. Storage is super important. So what concerns me a little bit about the idea of having everything soldered to the board is that I've never been one to buy Apple Care on anything. Um, when I bought my MacBook, uh, I have done two fan replacements myself. I have upgraded the hard drive. I've done all of this junk in my MacBook myself. What concerns me about getting something like the Air is that I am now a slave to Apple. Uh, in the sense that if the SSD ever goes, if the RAM ever gets bad, anything that goes wrong with this machine – I'm kind of fucked. Yeah. You know, like which which concerns me a little. I mean, it's it's almost like this is the machine that finally almost kind of requires Apple Care. Well, it's in some a closed sense. PC. Yeah. For all intents and purposes. Yeah. So I guess I mean that's I I would suggest maybe, you know, people consider Apple Care as Do you part know what of they're the charging for it on this one? I, I don't know offhand. I should check. Uh we'll do it later. But I mean see that that's the tough part for me is, you know, can I justify because once you throw Apple Care on top, like I configured Norm's model last night. Um, the nice thing, actually, I should note for anyone Canadian listening out there is that uh, all the new products are at price parity with the U.S. store. Oh, so um, yeah. So a twelve hundred dollar MacBook Air is same deal, tw- even with with Canadian bucks. Yep. So okay. nine, yeah. So the new MacBook Air is also nine ninety nine in Canada. So which you aren't going to like smuggle a bunch across the border. No, and it, go it, back. there's there's no point. the The only difference really is just the tax. Okay. Um, but I mean, anyways, going back to to Apple Care and everything, I mean. That's tough because that takes you know what is otherwise a fourteen hundred dollar laptop up to you know sixteen or seventeen hundred dollars. Well, the nice thing is you, they do let you buy Apple Care until the, the initial warranty expires. So if you yeah. want to buy the laptop now and buy Apple Care later, you can as long as you don't forget to do it. And yeah, burn so that's yourself. nice. You get like what like a year grace period, I guess. Yeah, I kind of wish that I'd bought Apple Care on my iPhone now because things are starting to get a little weird on it. Yeah. and it's outside the the limit at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm still on my first MacBook ever, but I already can't see Apple Care as as optional at this point. Yeah, because 
the cost of all of Apple's repairs, yeah. especially the ones that you can't do yourself, like if you lose the mainboard or something, yeah. there's nothing you can do but take it in there. And That's shitty. The cost is astronomical. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you're better off so buying a new Yeah, to the computer. point that, yeah, you should just, and, yep. you know, maybe, well, maybe they're counting on that. But, like, <laughs> I, I had three separate things break on this laptop in the space of a month. Yeah. And so Apple Care has more than paid for itself based on the cost of what they would have charged to fix that stuff. How much did you pay for Apple Care initially? Do you remember? I want, this sounds Couple low, hundred? but uh, it sounds low. I want to say it was like 150. Oh, wow. It might have been 200. Okay. Uh, I think I want to say it was 150 on the 13 inches and 250 on the bigger ones at the time. Okay. Uh, I might be wrong, but I, I had the, the battery became grotesquely swollen. Uh, one, I think that's something they would have carried outside of Apple. It's possible because that's a it, safety hazard. Looking around online, it looked kind of hit or miss whether okay. they would uh, Wait, swap it, it for free or not. It literally became swollen. It, it oh, it poofed. happens. It, it happens. All it's very, very, very common. If yours is the same age as mine, you should keep an eye on that thing. Okay. Uh, well, it, the, the capacity on it is like seventy five percent of what it was. So. That's, that's probably fine. But I mean, Shitty. it literally physically was bulging inside. Like I couldn't click the trackpad. <laughs> that's how fat that battery got. It was. It was um, a fat battery. That is terrifying. And, and two weeks after that. Uh, the hard drive started failing and the trackpad stopped recognizing clicks. Like all it's probably because of the battery. That bulging. was very possible, yeah. yeah. But it was all like in the space of a month. It was just like this perfect storm of, of me going, man, I'm glad I got Apple Care. Wow. So I'm usually anti-extended warranty, but the Apple stuff seems to be usually pretty reasonably priced. And the nice thing about it is the the, the only say way I would say don't buy Apple Care, probably if you're buying an Air, I think you have to. I think yeah. you're right. Uh if you're buying if you're buying just a normal laptop or an iMac or something like that, and you actually have a third-party Mac repair center around you that's reputable. Yeah, they're much much cheaper than yeah. taking it to the Apple Store. If you if you get in a situation where you're gonna have to pay somebody to fix something, mm-hmm. there's there's a ton of people that do Mac repairs that are very good, and they've been doing them for decades now. Usually, they're they're Mac repair guys in the Waz sense yeah. rather than the Johnny Ive sense. <laughs> so it's like a giant dude with an awesome beard, you know, who'll neck come, beard. Yeah, yep. who'll, who'll who'll whip out his screw, jeweler's eyeglasses and screw it up, be like, uh. Well, I can swap your main board out, but it's going to be – I'll just come back tomorrow morning and it's going to be $125. <laughs> that's that's actually what I did with my first fan replacement is I got one of the guys at the authorized uh, – yeah. it was some authorized shop that did it for like 40 bucks. Yeah. So Well, fan repair is really easy. We did a video. Oh, no. It was totally easy. So it that's why I did minutes. the second one myself. So. Yeah. Uh, so uh, last little bit of – if you're still waiting for the Apple stuff to be done, it's <laughs> we're on the cusp. <laughs> Uh, Apple, Wait, what else is there? Apple earnings were the other day. Uh, we usually hit this stuff a little bit. Apple made $28 billion in revenue, and the iPad is the second biggest uh, product line, most profitable profit line, uh, pro- product line mm-hmm. for Apple now. So if you're an investor, I mean, iPad's been good news for you, <laughs> I guess. What did they sell? 10 million units the last quarter? Uh, you said? Yeah, it was like 9.6 or almost 10. Are you, ta- are you talking about the gross revenue on iPads, or is that the margin I that think, they're making? I think what they said was that the, the iPad is their second most lucrative product at this point, right? Yes. So I don't know whether that's gross 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 revenue or net income by product line, but the fact that something that wasn't a product last February is now and there. is now their second. <laughs> I mean, like in a, in a if Rim said that, it would be a di- different kind of story mm-hmm. <laughs> than than when <laughs> Apple says that. But it's kind of impressive since Apple's now like the biggest company in the world. Yeah, their their stock is what over four hundred bucks now. Yeah, it's, it's almost approaching Exxon Mobil territory, right? And so. they've done that being thirty three percent less evil than, yeah. uh, than Exxon. <laughs> so yeah, good for them. Uh, let's do some small hits. AT and T, little late, but there's a Nexus S coming for AT and T uh, next month. Woo, that's good. I, I guess if you're gonna buy an Android sure. phone, buy the Nexus. Is what I say. Mm-hmm. The bad news is I think we'll see a Nexus three or some variant thereof around the time Ice Cream Sandwich launches in December. In so. The, uh, 
you know. That's what I'll buy. You may or may not want to spend money on a, a Nexus S at this point, and it's unclear what carriers they'll launch on yeah. for that. I, I I would love to see Nexus S's available on every carrier simultaneously. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a really good thing for Android. What, what Nexus Nexus Next. Yes. Oh, God. Uh, just because – <laughs> the Nexus? Sure. Yes. That was bad. Meme is what I'm here for. Meme collision. Uh yeah, I, I feel like I feel like it, it's probably not a good time to buy a Nexus S at this point. Do you think the days of being able to buy an unlocked uh stock Google phone are is is gone? I, I think no, I hope not. Like I mean, is the Nexus S unlocked? Depends on where you get it. Yeah. Like could you buy that direct you couldn't buy that from Google anymore, I guess. I don't think right? they do the slash phone thing anymore. No. See, because I mean, that's that's my concern. Is I mean, the the great thing about my Nexus One is the fact that because it's unlocked, I've had no problem using it on AT and T here. Like I just I've been swapping them. I, I I don't know if they're carrier unlocked. I my my hunch is that if you buy a Nexus S that is not on contract, you can get an unlock. You you can get it unlocked. Okay. If you're willing to pay six hundred dollars for the phone instead of two hundred dollars for the phone, it will be unlocked. Um, I know that you can, of course, root them and all that stuff really easy. So they're good developer phones. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to put Cyanogen or something on, as soon as it supports the hardware, then that's yeah. super duper easy too. I mean, it's it's kind of a shame. I'm almost at the point where I don't know. I mean, I I, I say that I would will never buy a phone on contract again. But I mean, those subsidies are are pretty killer in 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 Canada. Well, especially where we have three year contracts. I mean, that's what everyone forgets. Is you guys have two year max, oh. we have three year. I mean. If you're happy with your carrier, yeah. there's no reason not to buy a phone on a three-year contract. Not. <laughs> right. If you're not happy with your carrier, you should not buy phones on contract. Is anyone yeah. ever happy with their carrier ever? That is a good question. I think the answer is no. When I asked people if, if people were ever happy with their ISP, there were a lot of really smug bastards that were like, yeah, I love my – it's a little place. We have fiber and it's like <laughs> yeah. a 1,000 megabits a second to the door and they bring me a cake on Tuesdays. <laughs> And then everybody else was like, no, fuck Charter, fuck Comcast, fuck Rogers. And yep. it was just, you know, big telecom suck, I guess. Hey, you named a Canadian ISP. I know. I'm proud of oh, you. Well, I was though. looking at you. <laughs> I think we've reached the statute of limitations on Canadian jokes also. So yeah. Uh, yeah. notice I didn't take the moose or the no, you didn't. boot bait earlier today. But if you say Zed, I don't think I'm going to be able to control myself. <laughs> See, I'm one of those smug bastards. I've got one of those small ISPs mm. who just says, hey, download what you want. I've, I've got Comcast and I have no problems with the service. Like the the back end, like the billing cycle and the phone support and that stuff. Yeah, awful. A month ago, I didn't have problems with Comcast. Uh, yeah, oh, don't right. don't You've get Will started, please. No, <laughs> we don't want. We've we've talked about this. Okay, all right, moving on. Uh, I, Comcast Bill sent me a nice note the other day. I gotta say, yeah. he was like, "I'm gonna credit your account." I was like, "Dude, I don't care about fifteen dollars you're gonna give me. Credit I my care time. about the two days that I lost. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, I, got, they, I got half off my bill for six months just because I moved. Oh, that's nice. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm going to call them and threaten to cancel yeah. and see if they'll see. Because like, the Comcast bill is one of those things that sneaks up over time. Like yes. You do the initial thing and you're like, wow, I'm getting a lot of value here. And then all of a sudden you look at it, it's like $180. You're like, how the fuck did this happen? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and and I'm like, I, man, I don't I, I didn't know I had stars. Why would I get that with Netflix? I don't need that <laughs> shit. Um, Anonymous, they, they arrested some dudes who may or may not have been part of Anonymous. Do we ever really know? I mean, I guess that's the peril of being anonymous. <laughs> it, it really is. Well, it seems like every time they arrest someone, I mean, you, you see anonymous or lulsec or you know whoever is the hacking flavor of the day say, "Oh no, you didn't get us this time, guys. Nice try." So who knows? It's like arresting the Borg. You arrest <laughs> the guy who flies, who teleports into the ship, transports onto the ship. 
It doesn't matter. There's still a bunch more of them out there. Yeah, exactly. And they're all just going to adjust their shield frequency. I, I we were talking about the. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, you need the. the I've been z- watching a lot of next. Generation. You need the infinite pulse gun. I was going to say yeah. you just adjust, adjust the modulation of your. Uh, right. That's only good for three shots, though. Man. Yeah. Uh, so the interesting thing about this is always seeing all the 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 handles listed on the <laughs> oh yeah news stories. We were talking yeah, about this yesterday. News. Frosty yeah. JW thirteen. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking for a list of names. I was just going to read them, but I can't find any right now. Well, it's it's the same thing as whenever you know, even here when we uh, when we do like you know, ask tested, and we have to read out the usernames, and sometimes it's just yeah, exactly. you get you get those weird, ridiculous usernames, or you or you mispronounce them. Yeah, like Monsanto. Oh wait, yeah. no, that's a that's a never mind. That's a, <laughs> that's a company name. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Chevrolet. No, I, I I got uh, nothing. There's no names. That's okay. I'm really disappointed in MSNBC. Uh, next topic. Anything else? Any? Do we? I like. I feel like arresting people who are hacking stuff is probably not a bad thing. I, I mean, better watch what you say, man. I don't want to. <laughs> I, I apologize. I go for it, guys. It's cool. Uh, Western Digital one terabyte notebook drive, normal height one terabyte. So you don't need oh. to have a fat slot for your. <laughs> Fat <laughs> slot for your hard drive. Uh, you can just use a normal. You can put a terabyte oh, of storage in any laptop. I didn't want to say anything earlier when you were talking about pinch and spread, but <laughs> this is just. Uh. So we try to keep it extra filthy uh-huh. when, when Norm's not around to keep everything uh, on on the rails. Uh, I mean, that's interesting. Uh, they've been making big drives. It's a seems like a relatively. I mean, the nice thing about bigger capacity discs in laptops is they're going to be faster because the aerial density is higher and all that yeah. jazz. Uh, Okay. Again, though, I mean, <laughs> would you consider buying one of those after talking about, you know, being content with a 64 gigabyte SSD? It's not like for it's me. Just, I know. I know it's not for you. I mean, the one thing I would say is it is it, in a world where you have a laptop that has a very small amount of storage. Yeah. Having a big external drive suddenly becomes a very good thing. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, every time we do a podcast, that's two gigabytes. It's funny, though. I mean, it used to – you know what? That would have been a product that would have been for me before I think I built a desktop and before I started accumulating a lot of drives. Now it's to the point where I, I think I'm done using my laptop as a desktop replacement and I just – I would be content with the small amount of space. So I yeah. guess, it, I, again, big hard drives are probably becoming very niche, at least in the laptop space. Well, the the perfect world for me – you know, this is back to the cinema display magic, right? Yeah. You sit down. You plug in your power. You plug in the Thunderbolt the mini display port. And bam. And then you have another display port hard drive or Thunderbolt hard drive connected to that daisy yeah. chain. And your Ethernet comes through there and FireWire and all that stuff. And, you know, you plug in your laptop and all of a sudden your 64-gig MacBook Air becomes a – 64 gig plus a terabyte MacBook Air. And that's, that is, I mean, that's really compelling to me. I, I mean, that's, that's, really that's fine rad. as long as you're working in the same place. Yeah. As soon as you are, you know, in a well, Starbucks or something. Well, but you take the Thunderbolt drive with you. When we go to CES and we're doing podcasts all the time there and I need to be able to have a lot of space for stuff, you just take the Thunderbolt drive in your bag with you. Is, is Thunderbolt going to be a cable that's going to be easily kind of transported and used in small spaces? I mean, you know, I some, know. some of the thicker kind of. Like ESATA is never a good, it's not a good traveling cable. Right, right. Eh. Yeah. I don't know. I would assume. Given the way th- the way DisplayPort cables are bendy, there I mean it's a relatively small number of wires. I assume it's probably going to work out. I don't really I haven't had hands on with one. Has someone made a uh, eSATA to Thunderbolt deal yet? Because that would be great. I would say that there are like drive cages you can get probably. eSATA. You can plug a SATA drive into a Thunderbolt cage, no problem. I would like that. 
Um, and the nice thing about that is rather than being like Firewire where there's a bridge in between, probably you just have a SATA controller that hooks into Thunderbolt. Yeah. And then it's wired in just like a PCI Express device. That's the benefit is there's no, there's no in-betweensies. Yeah, it's, it's still a cable. Yeah. Smart exactly. cable. Smart cable. Uh, the Boca story. This is a – you're a photographer. Yeah. I didn't know what Boca was. And Boca Norm, or however you pronounce B-O-K-E-H. it. B-O-K-E-H. B-O-K-E-H. Yeah. Is it Boca? <laughs> I don't know. Let's just – yeah, Boca is fine. Let's go with that. Boca? Boca. Okay. Okay. What's the story here, Matt? Samsung's – I actually don't know the story <laughs> on this. Can you explain what that effect – I mean it's, it's like I know what, okay, so okay, what's effect, Boca? Right? So, so this effect is, is what happens when you have a lens with a very, very narrow depth of field. Um, so that's when you only have, I guess, a small slice of something in focus. So for instance, um, if you have a lens with a very narrow depth of field, I could take a picture of you. Your face might be in focus and everything behind you will be blurred. Right. So bokeh is the quality of that blur. Well, but usually you do this by opening the, the aperture. Yes, you do. Wide, you right? do. And, and now, so, so here's where things, let me clarify now. So a lot of different lenses have very, very wide open apertures. That's what gives you that narrow depth of field. But not every lens produces the same quality of depth. So for instance, um, you can buy a really, really cheap lens which, with a wide aperture and it might not produce very, very nice background blur. Or you can purchase a $1,500 lens with a wide aperture that will produce very nice background blur. So bokeh is kind of that um, – it, It's I wouldn't say it's arbitrary, but it's, it's sort of that measurement of how nice that background blur works. Because on cheap lenses – so th- now this, this – I don't want to get too technical or anything, but lenses are based on blades, right? Like lenses. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> L- lenses, lenses are based on blades and these blades either open or close based on, you know, how um, wide or narrow or how wide or small you want the aperture to be. Um, expensive lenses have more of these blades, which makes a more circular bokeh. Uh, cheaper lenses have less blades, which is why sometimes fewer. you'll see like fewer, uh, which is why sometimes you will see, um, you know, those little circles in the background, those little blurry circles. Yeah. They'll be like hexagonal. Yeah. They'll be, oh. well, they'll be like hexagonal or pentagonal shaped instead of circular. So it's picking so, up the shape of the thing that opens and closes the aperture yes, basically. Yes. And, and nicer bokeh is considered to be, you know, closer to circular or more nicely blurred. Um, and, and that's, that's the quality. Or more dramatic, like the big light dots when you have yeah. a large source of light or something Pretty like much. That in the background. So everyone out there, I'm really sorry if I'm angled that definition, but, um, I, I'm pretty sure we've written about this. We have written and, about it a lot. Yeah. And, and I've probably explained it much more eloquently in, in one of those stories. But anyway, so how does this fit into samsung what is what has samsung done to uh i guess to accentuate or make this bokeh better well so samsung has built a system that allows you to capture a very shallow depth of field field with a point and shoot which (laughs) doesn't have the traditional aperture thing which is what makes this whole thing happen uh uh by using a two lens system oh so one lens is the camera and the other one studies is like a depth sensor and then they magically i assume with some sort of image processing add the bokeh bokeh in the background. See, th- this intrigues me because, you know, obviously it in theory makes for better pictures with a point and shoot. But at the same time, it sounds like it's it still – Yeah, it sounds like it's cheating. You're still doing a lot of, you know, post-processing manipulation to this thing, which um, – Well, it's dumb pro- post-processing yeah, that runs in the background. Right? That's true. That's true. I- I'd love to see – I'd love to see some image samples. In fact, more than image samples, I would love to get this thing myself. Is there is, – is it just a prototype? It's, it's it a, a patent right now. It's a patent. Okay. Yeah, so – Give yourself a few years. Yeah. Well, hey, Samsung PR, get in touch when this becomes a thing. Uh, IE9 tested better at blocking malware than Chrome or Firefox. Yeah. Yeah. Is this going to get you guys back on IE9? 
No. Nope. Yeah. Do they, but, make, do they even make IU9 for Mac? No. No. <laughs> they stopped after six, not, I not think. Not Five or six. Oh, man. We're going to get the, – the people who don't like Apple stuff are going to be so pissed off this week. I, I mean, I just don't browse regularly. I, you know, you, I, I own a PC for games. That's yeah. That's it at yeah. this point. Like I'll load up Chrome if I need to use the web while I'm on the PC, but yeah. otherwise I'm there to be using Steam and games. It's funny because that's something that's changed for me in the last – well, since the iPad. I mean it used to be that when I was at home – the computer that I used for, for like fucking around on the internet while I was at home was my desktop gaming PC. And I'd go sit in the other room with the big monitor and the chair and, mm-hmm. and you know, I am with friends and post on Twitter and all that stuff. And I don't do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, same here. Like I, the iPad. I sit on the, I sit on the couch with the iPad when I want to look, read on the internet. Or if I want to play games, I go in there and play games. More importantly, you sit on the couch with your wife. Like it's, you, you are, you're, <laughs> well, you're, I mean, you're untethered from that room, like that room off to the side of the house where I you're mean, sitting alone in the dark. Well, it's a lot easier to sit with a. (laughs) Well, you can still have it. I mean, you don't. That's not the only option anymore. Does it count as together time if we're both sitting on the couch with an iPad, ignoring the TV and each other? That has been a great topic of debate in my own house recently. (laughs) Really, actually, that very specific question has come up. Right. I mean, are we spending time together if we are in close physical proximity, but not necessarily interacting? Right. And are what's what's the consensus? I I have a feeling that you come down one way. And your special lady friend comes down the other. You're you're a pretty perceptive guy. Yeah. So <laughs> she thinks that you're spending time together, and you not so much. Uh, not. Oh, it's, switch it's that kind reverse. Of, kind of the other way around. Oh, yeah. oh. I, she has a point. You yeah. Know, mm-hmm. I mean, just because you're sitting next to each other, you're you're still focused on I very just, different. Things. I just like to reach out and grab the shoulder I mean, occasionally. Yeah. yeah sure. You know, just a little bit of physical contact to remember goes a long there. way. You know. Yeah. Hey, honey. Oh, let me send you a link because then it's interactive, right? Oh, oh. You hey, say that you don't IM to her. We can't uh, IM from the iPad. Doesn't work real well. So so far, we've only IM'd each other in the same room. Ironically, yeah, um, yeah. The day that that happens in earnest, I think, is the day I need to examine priorities. The other day, <laughs> I got a text uh, as I was I was like pulling in the driveway, and I like I get out of the car and on trash night, I just go straight to rolling out trash. So Gina heard the car roll in, and was and then like five minutes later, I still wasn't there because we had a whole shitload of recycling. Somebody sent us a box. She's like, are you okay? <laughs> I, I think she like thought I was sitting there, you know, running the running the gas, running the car in the garage or something like that. <laughs> Door to, to, yeah, exactly. Uh, um, the text is coming from with from inside the house. Exactly. Uh, um, but anyway, yeah. So I nine. I mean, that's good. I don't the there. I know that there's always some question about how this the study was done, but it seems like this one was on the relatively up and up. Who uh, did it? Uh, I don't. A company. Oh. So it wasn't like Tom's Hardware. No, I don't think so. Hey, I mean, it's hard to test that stuff. If yeah. you're if you're not a company that is set up to test malware stuff, it is hard to do. It's hard to have a, a relatively a real sample of of bad software of malware yeah. to test against. Uh, other interesting note on this front is that Google has. If if you're infected with some very widespread bots and 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 trojans and stuff like that, Google is now detecting in your search results. And and saying, hey, your computer is infected. Go here to fix that. What do you mean in your search? Like, like when you go into Google and you type a search, yep. at the top of the search results, there's a thing that says, hey, your computer may be infected with some stuff. Go here to figure out how to fix it. Wait, what, is, a what does it base that on? Uh, I assume it's like, something that's in the search query or in the browser, how the browser is identified. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's because I was going to say how I was trying to figure out how it would identify search queries if you're not typing in in anything weird i i think it's a how the um i think it's here we go it's using data uh fact checking once again killing the podcast 
The particular malware causes infected computers to send traffic to Google through a small number of intermediary servers called proxies. Yep. So if your traffic is coming through a proxy, then uh, they know. Oh, right. So, so it, it checks whether. Yeah. Now, what I'm wondering is how does that stop legitimate people who are using proxies from. I would say that Google? the malware proxies are specific proxies. So they're right, actually okay. able to say, hey, all of these malware infected computers are connecting through these 2000 proxies. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, down, huh. down the chute they go. So that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, it says your computer appears to be infected. Uh, learn how to fix this, basically. Hmm. And it's at the top of the Google search search page over above, above you know, the, the, the instant search bar. And I, all I'm that. curious. Where does it send you? Like, uh, what it, what does it recommend? There's a Help Center article, and it sends oh, okay. you there, and it says, hey, uh, how do I fix my computer, install or update antivirus software? Ah, okay. So it, it doesn't, says, like, list, like, hey, go get Norton. Well, it says you can try one of our suggested antivirus projects, products or search Google for antivirus, which in my experience is really bad because then you get a lot of antivirus downloads that are actually malware. That are actually viruses. Although that – it looks like they fixed that. Well, maybe not. That's that's quite possibly the worst concept to try to explain to like a parent or like an older person that you know downloading an antivirus software can sometimes give you a virus. Well, this is, this is one of those things that really frustrated the hell out of me for a long time about the ads because yeah. they would – they would malware filter the search results, mm-hmm. but if you got your if you if you like those remember all the antivirus two thousand eight two thousand nine two thousand yeah 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 those things those were always malware They're, yep. they've always been bad never been real products, and they would buy Google ads on antivirus search terms or yep. specifically terms like how to remove specific trojans and stuff like that. Yep. And Google didn't filter the ads, but they filtered the search results. So yeah, I just it just. I think they fixed that, it seems like, or okay. at least made an attempt. Well, wasn't that always sort of like, you know, the dirty little secret people, you know, kind of uh, levied against Google was, hey, you know, Google makes a lot of illegitimate ad money. Well, like of, the, you know, and even all the way down to the to the demand stuff yeah. where yeah, you know, they're giving yeah. bad results, but they get money on the search on, on the search clicks. Yeah. So anyway, uh, ultraviolet. Uh, this is so this is uh, this ultraviolet thing is a new DRM. Uh, I say DRM, but it's like a it's a play it's a buy once play anywhere DRM standard. Okay, uh, that's post Blu-ray. So you know how right now you buy a Blu-ray disc, you get a digital download, and yeah. it's either iTunes or WMA or Sony, and it only works on a specific category of devices, and that code is only good once. They still distribute them in WMA. I maybe maybe only on old discs. Okay, I hope so. That's <laughs> or WMV rather. Yeah, no, that's 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 a little sad. Um it's it's uh I mean I don't know, I always do the Apple one cuz I want yeah. to play it on the iPad, right? Uh the DCE guys, which is I think the Digital Entertainment Content Ecosystem Group, <laughs> which is just another, you know, it's it's another working group basically. Yep. I I talked to these guys two or three years ago when they were first setting up about what their goals were, and really what they want is uh transparent to the user DRM that allows you to buy something once played anywhere as many devices as you want just like you would with a disc or a ripped DVD or ripped Blu-ray because this was in a time when ripping Blu-ray was still kind of hard yeah uh, and now you know this is so this is it, they've actually announced the product it's a name uh, everybody but Disney I think and so Sony's signed on most of the studios are signed on Disney is not I think Fox is the other holdout hmm. um, but I it, it should change the way the digital copies work and I, th- at least when I, when I talked to them in the past, they had talked about it in the context of a library like Steam, where hmm. you know, right now when you do those digital downloads, you download it once, and and then if you ever if you lose that file, you're boned. Yeah. Uh, so the thing they had talked about was doing a library type system, you know, locker library, whatever, mm-hmm. like Steam, where you associate the code with your account, and then that's then you can download as much as you want or a specific number of times before you get kicked off and have to you know do a support call. I like that. 
Like I, I, I could, I could kind of get behind a maybe not the DRM side necessarily, depending on how it's done. But the idea of having like a Steam sort of locker for movies yeah. is is nice. I'm okay I with mean, that. I, I like I like the way the Potter stuff, the Harry Potter ebooks are being handled better, where they just through Pottermore. Well, yeah, the Pottermore thing is a really neat idea. So instead okay. of DRMing up the ebooks, mm-hmm. all they're doing is embedding your user account in specific places. So if you distribute it, then they'll know. And they'll come get you. Yeah. Right? I think that that's just as effective as DRM ultimately because mm-hmm. the people who are going to pirate stuff and post it to BitTorrent know how to strip all that shit out anyway. Yeah. They know how to strip DRM on Blu-rays. So, I mean, that's easy at this point. So there's no reason in hassling all the all the legitimate customers. Just let them know, hey, if, if you post this on BitTorrent, we're coming for you. We're going to yeah. hunt you down. So what's to stop pir- pirates and, and hackers from stripping that stuff out? The the um, It's a little more difficult. Is well, it? they're going to. That's the point. Okay. Yeah. Pirates and hackers, you can't stop that. Uh, yeah. Like it may, you may stop it for six months or a year or two years or whatever. Eventually some, some, some chain yeah. in the chain of things, some link in the chain of things that has to stay secure will break. And then they'll figure out how it works and, and, and you'll be able to rip – I mean right now you need to pay $60 to buy a piece of software that makes it really dead simple to rip Blu-rays. Seriously? Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. I mean it's, it is no problem. You need a $50 Blu-ray drive and 50 or $60 worth of software or you can use um, – There's no like free open source Blu-ray dealio right there's now? A, there's a shareware thing that the shareware yeah. resets every time you install it and they update it every – like they update it twice a month. The shareware lasts for a month, so you can keep using it for free indefinitely. There aren't, as far as I'm aware, any easy-to-use free open source things. Like Handbrake okay. doesn't support Blu-ray encryption at this point. Which is weird because wasn't uh, – weren't people originally ripping all these things on Linux anyhow? But I guess like you can still do it through Linux. You can it's still do it the hard comp- way. OK. It's the yeah. hard way. Yeah. OK. The, 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 like, the easy way is to install Make MKV, yep. uh, which I think is $35, or any DVD, which lets you just rip an ISO of the whole Blu-ray disc. And, um, you know, that takes an hour. It gives you a 25 megabyte MKV file that mm-hmm. has the, the actual, the real video, the un, unrecompressed video from the disc. Mm-hmm. And then you can either run that through handbrake and recompress it, or you can just, you know, leave it at 25 gigabytes and say, well, I can buy a three terabyte hard drive for 150 bucks. Fuck it. Are you backing any of this up, or are you just under the impression? Because this is this is maybe going I've off topic a, lot. a little bit, but why would we care about? That? I know I, I we we don't really care, but I mean I I've kind of been thinking recently. Like I have two two gigabyte internal um uh two terabyte sorry uh-huh. uh, internal hard drives in my desktop, and those are great because I mean I can store all of the music and like movies and things like that that I've ripped over right. the years, but. It almost seems like for every like every hard drive that I buy, I also have to buy an equal external hard drive to keep it all backed up. Like yeah. is that is that sort of just like a vicious cycle that we kind of have to accept? Well, there's two ways to look at it, right? Yeah. I back up all the stuff that is irreplaceable. Okay. So pictures, yep. backed up. Yep. Uh digital downloaded music, although yep. that's less of a problem now that we can store that in yeah, Google with... or Amazon or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh that stuff gets backed up too. And I use um uh, uh what's the is it Mosey? Mosey's the backup thing, the cloud, the internet backup thing. I don't know. Anyway, I use Mosey or one of those cloud backup things to back up my photos folder. It's like okay. 25 gigabytes. It's cheap. I pay $15 a year or something ridiculous. Seriously? Maybe more than that. Oh. I don't know. I, I, I'm really bad about signing up for stuff and then never looking at what it costs again <laughs> in case you haven't picked that up. Yeah. Um, it, it, back up that stuff. 
if you're going to keep the physical media, which you should if you're doing this, because if you sell the physical media back to somebody else, you're in violation. I mean, that's that's against the rules. <laughs> like you can't rip your CD collection, and then sell it back to the used music place. Yep. Because then you no longer have the rights to use that music in theory. Um, yeah, I don't I don't back that stuff up. I have the at this point, if I lost my C- my MP3 collection, I'd kind of be OK with that because it would give me an excuse to go back and re-rip it at a better bit rate yeah. and, and more consistent settings and all that stuff. Yeah. And and. The time spent ripping the DVD collection at this point would be significantly less than the cost because the CPUs have gotten faster. I'm using a much faster machine now than I was yeah. when I ripped this stuff originally. What used to take four hours now takes about 25 minutes. I'm okay doing that over again because I actually wouldn't mind having having multiple audio tracks and, and native oh. – uh, native uh, resol- you know, not, not recompressing as hard as I did yeah. ri- initially. So anyway <laughs> – uh, a couple more quick hits. Uh, Sonos Play 3 is out. The Play 5, which was called the S5 when we reviewed it last year, is basically an iPod dock without the dock. It's a streaming music solution. It's just a speaker and streaming stuff. It's traditional. I haven't, I haven't, I've seen the demo. I haven't had hands on time in a controlled environment. Mm-hmm. They're sending units next week, I think. Uh, it's, it's a really, traditionally a really nice music streaming product. They're also very expensive. So it's like $300. For the Play Three and four hundred for the for the bigger one with five speakers. How much is the uh, Zeppelin? Zeppelin, I think, is five hundred dollars. Okay, so they're they're spendy as they're well. They're pricey. Uh, the neat thing about the Sonos stuff is it doesn't use AirPlay. Mm-hmm. It uses their proprietary mesh network, so you actually get really really perfect synchronization, even if you're playing long music. So if you like to listen to like King Crimson or something appalling and super long, <laughs> then and and you can set it up. Let me take a step back. The neat thing about Sonos is you can do multiple zones throughout the house. Okay. So uh, where AirPlay in the iOS stuff is is set up with each device is its own thing. And you can send to multiple devices. Yeah. The synchronization kind of breaks down as you play longer music. Oh, does it really? It, in my experience, I haven't tested with the latest version. But yeah, it, like when it was AirPlay Express and I can't remember what they called it before that. Yeah, uh, to AirTunes. AirTunes. It didn't, it didn't stay sync very well across multiple zones. Um, That'd be interesting to actually kind of test out, even um, kind of. I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't think I mean, many people care. Is yeah, the, I guess that's the true. fundamental problem. <laughs> uh, the the way this works, though, you can connect multiple devices into a single zone. So, say I have some in wall speakers hooked up to an amp, and then I also have um, one of these one of these S threes or S fives that are basically like like cool iPod docks. Yeah. Uh, you can set those to be in the same zone. You can set them to be in different zones. With the S threes, you can set one to be the left channel and one to be the right channel. So you have you can like do stereo separation and all that stuff, and you can control each zone independently. They have remotes for uh, Android, iPad, iOS, uh, iPhone. I don't know if guys. Yeah, I mean, and and PC and Mac, of course. Yeah. Um, and it's just a really like there's no you don't need a server. You can just hook it up to a network share. You can plug a USB hard drive in. I think I don't know if you can still do that. Uh, that has just your music on it. It works really well. It's very seamless. If you care about music in your home. I, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm making dinner, I like to put some music on. Just yeah. kind of chill out. And Set the mood. Listen to some tunes. Yeah. yeah, cooking music. What's your favorite cooking song, Brad? Oh, God. Viva Pinata soundtrack. Okay. <laughs> Matt? I throw on my jazz playlist. Your Yaz? Yaz. Yaz flute. <laughs> yaz flute. Um, uh, Verizon adds more LTE markets, like 28 more, to 102 total Woo. they've gotten colorado springs turned on folks what so, constitutes a market is it is it it's a, a, a city it's like a essentially city, city okay or like i think or la like is probably one market okay that's like six cities right but colorado springs also okay. is a market 
So I think it's probably lines up with TV markets if I had to guess. So like mm-hmm. Dallas is probably one. Fort Worth is probably another. Okay. Are they uh, is Verizon out ahead of AT and T on LTE penetration so far or, or coverage or? Well, yeah. Since AT and T doesn't have LTE, oh, they haven't even started. No, they have four G, but it's really the HSPA plus stuff. Oh, so it's like it's they, basically like super duper three G. Oh, yeah. I thought they had graduated beyond that. They they, are, are they, they have is that in the plan. It's coming. Like what happened to this like five billion dollars they're <laughs> spending on it, their network? Com- they're going to roll their first LTE based uh, uh, MiFi type thing, portable hotspot suit. But Sprint actually has 4G, correct? Sprint has WiMAX. Oh, what God. Sprint calls 4G is WiMAX. Okay, right. Which is in between. Okay. So AT&T has the HSPA Plus stuff, yep. which is like 6 to 20 megabits and realistically is 6 megabits, which yep. is exactly what I get with my iPhone 4, 6 megabits. <laughs> uh, WiMAX is also shared bandwidth uh, between 6 megabits and the, the 100 or so that theoretically you can get from LTE. I haven't used enough of the Verizon LTE stuff to know if you actually get anywhere close to 100 megabits. Yeah. My experience, mostly the problem with wireless is latency is, you, you know, you, the time, the time from when you send a request to when it gets fed right. back to you right. is usually such that you don't notice the bandwidth being slow. It's more that you notice the latency is bad and LTE is supposed to help with that as well. Okay. So 102 markets, zero chance of, of an LTE iPhone, this year's iPhone, not, not going to happen, right? Maybe on Verizon. You think? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, the fact that they push it to September from June gives, yeah. makes that a, a slight possibility. I don't think Apple is going to release a fatter, worse battery iPhone for one provider. Oh, than the, the hardware other. would increase the size unless yeah. unless Apple has the first of the second generation of LTE chipsets. I don't think that we're going to see an LTE iPhone this fall. Could be possible considering their supply chain. I mean that that is the that's always the question mark, right? Yeah. Is Apple has the best supply chain in the world. So if anybody can do it, and and they're going to sell a lot of units, so there's incentive for Qualcomm and the people who are making those chipsets to get that out to them first. Yeah. But if it's like the first generation of LTE phones that were on Verizon, you know they were really fat because they had to have enormous batteries, and they still had battery life problems. So yeah. you, uh, Apple's not going to do that. They've they've done that once. You have an iPhone 3G. You remember what that was like? Barely. You don't you don't want that again. It's been in the drawer for the last six yeah. months. Well, but even but they eventually like it eventually got better. But sure. you, I mean you remember that I, I can't Norm got an iPhone three G right before we went to E three and literally that dude was always eyes open for a plug. Oh yeah. Everywhere we went. Yep. It's like we're sitting down to take a meeting, he's like, uh, you guys have power. Can I, can I plug in? Is that okay? <laughs> Junkie, man. Yeah. <laughs> right into the vein. Uh, give me the juice. At the same time, he discovered that you could turn on uh, percentages so you could see the exact percentage of battery life, and it became like the most damaging game in the world for Norm. <laughs> so I got, it's, I'm, I'm under 90%. I feel like I only got like 20 minutes left. I got I to gotta plug in. I got to plug. Oh, okay. <laughs> Spike that vein. G- g- give it to me. Give it to me. This is the game that I'm playing right now with my Nexus One. It is It is fucking painful can't you buy an aftermarket ba- what does an aftermarket battery cost for that like 20 bucks i don't know I, i'd have to go find one and i i guess i could do it it's just it's it's become this cat and mouse game especially since my phone decided to start considering 15 percent as zero ah uh, so yeah it's 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 not might be might dangerous man. might be time it's only been a year it has been one year that, that this thing's got to last longer than did that. you try running it down doing all that stuff i did the whole battery reset thing from oh. from the firmware and that all help? that jazz no yeah. <laughs> okay good if, talk that's why i said if i can hold out for that next three <laughs> whatever the awful word you called it earlier brad uh um yeah. netflix uh they what rolled, about it? they rolled a new netflix on android release and it supports more devices <laughs> 
And the word on the street is some tablets. I haven't had a chance to install Ooh. it yet and try it out. But uh, if you have a Zoom or a Samsung Galaxy Tab or um, the Transformer, you should try it out and see if it works for you. Yeah. Uh, and then the last bit of news. Track- Give it to me. You like Star Trek? Yeah. Do you like Star Trek, Matt? Yeah. Uh, do you have Amazon Prime, Brad? Uh, I do. Do, you have, do, you have, do they have Amazon Prime in Canada? <laughs> I think it's some gimped – I don't even know. Well, OK. So in the US, Amazon Prime, you pay 75 bucks a year and you get free two-day shipping on everything you buy from Amazon. Yep. Which if you live in an area that's close to a distribution center like we do, that frequently means that you get free overnight shipping on everything <laughs> that you order from Amazon. Which is really good if you order stuff like toilet paper and toothbrushes from Amazon like I do because I'm kind of an asshole. <laughs> this is – You're just a busy man. Come on. The no, first time, not really. fair to yourself. Not, not really. But I like to, I like to live on the edge of what's possible. This is a thing that I did not even know was possible. Free two like, day shipping? No, no toothbrush and, and toilet paper and, and shit like that. I did not know you could get that off Amazon. Oh yeah, yeah. I think, I think, like, uh, I think toilet paper in the mail means we're approaching the singularity. <laughs> right? I, we're pretty close. We're, I, it's either that or we're getting close to Wally. Right, uh, yeah. we're, we're, yeah. if I can get a <laughs> maybe, they're, maybe they're one and the same cupcake in a cup in the yeah. mail. I'm ready to go. Um, I'm waiting for it to get fast enough where they can literally just send you the amount that you need while you are on the toilet. Wow, on demand toilet uh, on demand just in time. <laughs> that's a that's a big manufacturing thing. Are you, know, are you talking about uh, some sort of pay by the ply uh, <laughs> scenario? Pay by the square. What if it's what if it's a DLC for toilet paper? You know, you you, you well, you can. This is ply. all the toilet paper you get in this in this release. Uh, but for an extra ten dollars, you can get. Another four hours worth of toilet paper. That's not even DLC. That's just like snake oil salesman at that point. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, in Seattle, if you live in the Seattle area, you yeah. can get same-day delivery on Amazon stuff. Really? So, yeah, you order it by like two and the truck just drops it off on the way wow. before you're home. I think, I think that can sporadically happen around here too, right? I've, I've heard some stories. It's, I think it's really effect. limited yeah. in what, yeah. what, what is here. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the Amazon Prime Instant, you can get Trek now. So Excellent. It, it, Amazon Instant, if you have, a, I think, a TiVo or a Roku box or Google TV, you can use Amazon Video On Demand. And uh, if you have Prime, then you're automatically – like it's like another Netflix source. There's a whole show yeah. of free content there. So free Star Trek even without paying for Netflix. So if you if you rage quit Netflix last week when they changed their pricing, <laughs> you can still get Star Trek. Don't don't worry. I don't know if the, if the Deep Space Nine limitation is there as well. Did uh, we ever find out why Deep Space Nine was not – I don't, I don't know. No one really cares, but <laughs> it'll be here in a month. Ease uh, okay. into it. Ease into it, there, big dog. Uh, so uh, that does it for news for me this week. Anybody else have anything we we I've forgotten to add to the list? Feeling good? Should we should we talk about what we've been testing? Yeah, let's roll. Okay, we've talked about lion a ton. Braga, you wrote some tips. It's good stuff. Turn off natural scrolling. Get rid of the yeah. launch pad, all that. It's on the site right now. It's the number one slide. Just click on it. You'll Check like it. it. It's good. <laughs> uh, search for Lion tips, getting started with Lion if, yep. if it's not on the slide. Mm-hmm. Um, I tested the Clever Coffee Dripper. This is – I'm sad I missed that. Well, I mean you got to – if you're not here, you can't You can't be part. <laughs> uh, so the Clever the – clever, you know, I like pour overs. I like the cone with the paper filter. It's OK. But – yep. You don't get the same kind of rich, full-body coffee that you get from like a French press or an AeroPress or something like that where the, where the coffee sits in the water for a few minutes. And yeah. It sucks all the oil and stuff out. The Clever combines the cone, the kind of single-serving cone coffee type, with uh, the immersion of a French press or AeroPress. Ah. And it does this. It has a neat little thing. So on the bottom of the cone, there's a kind of ring. 
And if you put put it down on the table, then then there's this stopper that stays down. Gravity pulls it down. If you put it on top of a cup, then there's another ring inside that gets pushed up, and that pushes the stopper out and lets the coffee drain out. So what you do is you put a paper filter in, you put the coffee in, you pour mm-hmm. the water in, let it step steep for four or five minutes, four minutes, I guess. And then you just set it down on top of your cup and the coffee all drains out in your cup and you're like, okay, I got a cup oh. of coffee. And, and you don't have any of the sediment that you get with, uh, say, a French press. French press. Uh, and you, you get – it does still use a paper filter. So you use like a – I use usually a Hario V60 filter just because they're nice and delicate and, and don't taste too papery. Yeah. Um, but you do lose a lot of the oil, which is good if you're worried about high cholesterol because some of the some of the oils in coffee can, in some people, really jack up your cholesterol. Uh, but you don't have that kind of mouth feel that you have hmm. uh, with uh, with a press or disc or cone or uh, no paper filter kind of coffee. So I'm trying to imagine this here. Is it essentially like a pour over design, but with a stopper so that when you pour the water in, pretty much. It, okay, that's cool. Yeah, it's really I, neat. That, so how much does this uh, does this thing cost? Thirty dollars, fifty dollars, thirty five. You you sound hesitant. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'm real bad on prices, man. I I know. I know. I know. It's not like games, man. Every game costs the same. It's always sixty dollars or fifteen dollars. <laughs> that shit is dead simple. Everything costs something different. Are you belittling Brad no. and his choice of profession here? No, no, no. I'm yeah, you saying. work in a tough industry where everything I'm, costs. I'm different just saying. Amounts. I got it's too many numbers. I'm not good with numbers. I'm not good with names. The way you hear it, I'm not good at much, it seems like. but uh, <laughs> Except for making coffee. I'd make good coffee. You haven't made me coffee yet. Well, you, you haven't made me a sandwich yet. Damn. You had a cream cheese sandwich this morning. <laughs> I didn't. Speaking of things we're testing. <laughs> have you ever heard of cream cheese sandwich before? Uh, maybe cream cheese and something. Yeah, like some, maybe some like really? Lebanon bologna or yeah, some cute. sort of salted. Slice, when I was growing up. Sliced cucumber. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah. It was like – it's sort of like the last-ditch sandwich. Like if you were super late in the morning and, and you know, your mom was just like, you want something to eat? And she'd make you like a cream cheese sandwich. No, this is just not a – Just cream cheese. Yeah. This oh. isn't a thing here. Wow. But you had strawberries with it. I could see putting some yeah, no, strawberries I, in the cream cheese. That I, would be really I, you good. You know what? I might cut them up and mix it up. I, I feel like mixing those two together it's is a like a – crazy. <sighs> I do crazy things with food. Uh, Google Plus app for iOS is out. I've been spending some time with that. It probably doesn't fix any of the crushing – crushing overwhelming feeling of trying to sort through those notifications does it um well you know you can turn off the notifications now <gasps> no. yeah yeah uh, you have to go on the what? on the on the dev- on the web and you go there and what you is say, this web you speak yeah, of you, well you tell it which which places you want to get which notifications so i just turned off all the email notifications and yeah, I, I turned off almost ago. all of the phone notifications so wait can you turn them off on a per google app basis as well like i don't want any alerts in docs but I do want them in Gmail. Why would you get alerts in Docs? What? Why do you get alerts? Because the bar is always at the top. Isn't oh it? no, no, you can't turn that. Oh, off. you can't turn that off. No, no, you can't turn the bar off. <laughs> I'm talking about the phone notifications. Damn it! You can. Huh? No, it looks like you can't control the notifications in the bar. There's got to be a grease monkey script for this or something. Please, please, mm. make it happen. Yeah, no, it's still real spammy. Uh, yep. I, I've I've started not seeing that red square anymore. Red, really? square, red as it's a color to get my attention is going away. Huh? We we we've had. A, I don't know if you if how recently you've listened to the podcast, but we've been talking a lot about the the red the fucking red box in the bar at the top of Google Docs because it's you really find it, you find it offensive. I find it very distracting. Yeah. You it's know, just, it's, we've it's talked about my watching. notification theory. Sure, that is another notification. I can't turn it off. Okay, and I use Google Docs all the time. And when you scroll down, that thing stays there. 
But if you go full screen, then it doesn't. Yeah. It goes away. So that's that's what I've been doing. Good. Or just using right room. Yeah. One or right the other. Room. It's a very much uh, sort of like Hal. It is. Hello, of, Dave. I feel like I'm writing from Have the past. Have you checked your notifications, fu- Dave? Future of past futures, futures of distant past. <laughs> Next. Distant futures, past wise turning. Ooh. Thank you. This helps. Uh, command strips, Brad. Yes, sir. You <laughs> you needed to stick some shit to some other shit. And you, you came – you, where else would you go for but, this kind of information? But Will Smith. But to Tested.com. Indeed. Yeah, what, what are you using command strips Command for, strips dude? are the finest device or product or aid did you know or that, – Did you know that glue is a $3 trillion a year industry? In, in, in the history of human ingenuity. <laughs> this is what I think it is, isn't it? The command strips rank pretty highly. Yeah. So um, descri- paint us a word picture. I, uh, I, I have, I've got one of those little Astro uh, – The mix amp. Is it a preamp, a mix amp? What do you call it? It's a headphone amp. It's, it's some sort, some it's, manner of amp. It's like a – well, it's a Dolby Digital decoder and it does all sorts of oh, stuff. Oh, really? It, it yeah. actually uh, – well, I didn't know it did all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, Ryan got a bunch of them and gave me one. Okay. Um. I guess it actually it also will act as a as a, a sound device like it's a USB audio thing it, for Windows or right. Mac. Like, yeah, I guess good, it would replace a sound card or whatever. Like, like if you have a desk and <laughs> you have a bunch of consoles and a PC or a Mac and you want to have all the sound come in go out of one place of a single yeah like a single headphone output ah. it is awesome. So that's exactly what I use. So it I for. use one okay. at work at home for the exact same right, thing. Right. So, so I, I, I hook I hook USB from my laptop to it here in the mm-hmm. office and then uh, the audio out from my TV also yeah. goes into the RCA inputs. Yeah. And then I get. MacBook audio, Xbox audio, all that ah. stuff through a single uh, discrete volume control. Yeah. You can even change the mix of the different uh, sources yeah. coming into it, and they and, all go through one headphone. Yeah, and you just plug your headphones into it. That is so cool. It's it is pretty neat. fucking tastic. It's pretty neat. The, the one downside I've noticed is on the uh, uh, on the MacBook using it. So you can switch actually under the volume control in OS X uh, if you hold I think Alt it's Option Alt Option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you click on it, uh, that gives you like a, a list of audio sources. Uh, to the right, you were looking for the audio. No, no, I know. I, I, yeah, I, I'm. I so, think I told you this. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you. Were, Every time I tell people this, sure? it blows their mind. Are you sure? I've known about no. this for a long. time. Okay, but maybe Quite not then. Anyway, coming from the man who didn't know about Quick Look. The uh, <laughs> man. <laughs> hey, man. Dude, not, how did you not? I don't. I oh don't, my god! Like how 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 have you never even done it by accident? That was the first. I deal in words. That was the first best thing I noticed about OS X when I for like the day I switched to it. I was just like, this is the most amazing thing. I've I ever was seen. so busy just pressing the expose button on my mouse that yes. I couldn't control myself. That's fair. Anyway, I've noticed <laughs> they using. They zoom in. They zoom out. They zoom in. They zoom out. They zoom in. They zoom out. <laughs> but wait, there's more. So uh, so using that thing as an audio device on the MacBook uh, degrades the, the graphics performance dramatically for whatever reason. Really? I don't know why that is. Like like using expose and stuff is like super jerky. Really? Oh, looks, that sucks. Looks really ugly. Anything that animates in the you UI. Need, you just need a new MacBook Air. I don't know. I mean I, I, <laughs> I'm wondering if it's because I use USB overdrive and that replaces the default oh, USB probably, driver. Yeah. And that thing doesn't have a way to tell you, – you can't tell that thing which – USB devices yeah, yeah, to yeah. use and which ones to let OS X handle itself. I would try turning off USB overdrive and see if that I, I fixes thought about it. that and see if that helps. But then I lose all my mouse button bindings and that's that that messes up my workflow. That's true too. Yeah, anyway, you could find another mouse thing though too. I mean, it's Maybe. probably easier to find another piece of mouse software than it is to. I guess yeah. I guess you don't need an actual USB driver replacement to handle. No, no, you could probably just use a Mac like mouse steer. Yeah. Maybe I should look into that. Uh, anyway, getting off. I mean, topic moose here. steer. Did you just turn away from the microphone to breathe? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what we just caught you doing? <laughs> that was a turn away from 
<laughs> Braga Tezande. <laughs> Chocolate rain. Okay. Uh, anyway. Command strips. Word picture. Getting, getting far afield <laughs> yes. of the topic here. Uh, that little amp is like a pound and a half, I'd say. Maybe it's two pounds. Nowhere. It's like it's six like, ounces. Oh, it's it's heavier than you think. Do you have batteries it's in it? Pretty, no, I don't. But it's it, it uses some pretty bulky, thick plastic oh, and stuff. I don't know, man. It feels like nothing in there. I've, yeah, I don't know. It's me- the elves. Okay. It's like a little switchboard. Where Maybe it's less than a pound. Maybe okay. it's less than a pound, but it's... Point being, I, so I wanted to mount it on the underside of my desk. Yes. So it would be out of the mm, way. Perfect. Uh, yeah, you know. Makes perfect sense. Stick my, all the cables are under there. Yeah, you know, so of course. Why, why clutter the desk? Uh, I couldn't find anything that would hold that thing up. Right. Uh, you I tried used, Velcro? I tried Velcro pads. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, did the Velcro fail or did the sticky stuff that holds the Velcro to both, the thing fail? Okay. Oh, wow. It would, it, would, it would separate the two halves of the Velcro yeah. and then at some point the entire thing just came, started coming off. Okay. Um, you don't want a dangling mix amp. That's no, not a good scene. No. Especially when you've got headphones in it and it yeah. falls and like all of a sudden your head is down yeah. here. Let's blame uh, the Vulcans for that one. So then you yeah. re- you recommended regular regular <laughs> command strips. Yeah. Uh, and we for, tried that. That didn't work. Uh, well, it's because the, the panel that the command strips went on on the thing was kind of recessed down in. You didn't get good grip anyway. But uh, you recommended this crazy space age. Well, it's like a, it's like a, it's, it's not even Velcro. No, it's I like I don't even know what you'd call it. It's like it's because it's the same on both sides. It's not the loops and hooks right. of Velcro. Right. It's the same sort of like little prickly. They're both uh, crunchy stiff, sides. Stiff plastic. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like teeth that lock together. And there's actually kind of is. there's like a palpable snap I'm when you're looking this up. When you when you push these two halves together, there is a snap. Yeah. Like you you know like that a, it's connected. It's like a click sound almost. And and that thing grips like a mother. Well, so there's two things that are happening here. First is that the glue that you use to attach these things to devices are really strong when you're pulling them apart. But if you apply any kind of side force, like yeah. a torsional force, it just pops right Pop off. right off. No mess. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. Like I use these to hang mirrors on my walls at home and it works fine. Like big like, mirrors. Like large mirrors. Like five right? foot yeah. full length mirrors. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I mean they're cheap mirrors so they're not heavy. Sure. But yeah. It's a hell of an adhesive. Yeah. I don't know. And, I don't know what chemists uh, sat around in a lab coming up with this thing. But well, I think I, we should do an explainer on this. Matt, drop what you're doing. Explain glue. What? Explain glue. <laughs> so wait, what are these things called? Command Cla- strips. Oh, command, command strips. strips. I'm switching cloud strips. No. I've got them at my desk. I, I, I can yeah. show you. I bought, I bought a few more. I guess at pretty much any hardware store. I got them at Ace Hardware. So while you were getting the command strips, I, I sent you – you had a side mission for me, side quest. Right. To pick up some some hooks that I that with screw ends, like the kind of thing you'd hang like a potted plant from maybe. Sure. Maybe not that big. I use these because my headphones have about a six-foot cable. Which seems like a really awesome thing on paper, but not so much when you're in the real world and you're, you're, the thing you're plugging into is six inches away from your head. So I screwed that in and I looped my headphone cable nice. on the hook. And nice. now it's just the perfect length and I don't run over the headphone cable all day long, which makes me happy. Desk improvement. Simple man. Yeah. We're simple people. I, I, I find, it, find it very satisfying. So command strips. 3M, smart minds, smart products. Those things is are that three minutes, 3M really? It is 3M. Okay. Yeah. No, no. But I mean it's smart minds, smart products, 3M. Oh. Maybe? I don't know. 3M is not a very consumer-facing... Uh, Post-it notes, dude. Is that them, really? Scotch tape. Well, then, uh, then again, they're doing... They're a pretty, ubiquitous, they're doing but a, not in a way that yeah, you Yeah, like they're, they're doing a bad job of, of giving themselves credit. Well, the, the, so the thing about glue is nobody knows why glue sticks. Like, we know why magnets stick to each other, right? Because there's magnetic force. It's one of the four forces that affect everything, right? Yeah. Nobody knows why glue makes shit stick to other shit. At the molecular level? At the molecular level. Yeah. Like, Seriously? The, the chemistry, huh. they understand what things will make sticky oh, compounds. You mean nobody. I mean nobody. Even the people who make the glue? Glue, how does it <laughs> fucking work? <laughs> glue just happens. Right. 
the glue, the thing is that they like they don't know that it's like weak weak electrical weak I don't I don't remember my forces strong this is strong and weak uh like there's a they, they strong think, and strong and weak atomic right yeah they think well they think the glue works on a quantum level is my understanding really the last time I read about this was probably three years ago so we may have figured it out since then but the last time I read this it's a three trillion dollar a year industry nobody knows why some shit wow. sticks to glue and some shit doesn't quarks and gluons yes it's, it must be the gluons well right? it, could, it could be the the what's what's the thing they're looking for in Switzerland uh, the Higgs the, the Higgs, large head the, 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 the Higgs, Higgs boson, boson. yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt Braga looks like he has an answer to something no I'm actually really confused but um, <laughs> Adhesion is the attraction process between dissimilar molecular species. Yes. That can potentially bring them in direct contact. Yes. Okay. Clarification. I, I don't know what that, that means. Figure out how glue works. Tested. Get you out of this hellhole once and for all. However it works, the glue on those command strips is it's neat. serious. Yeah, well, and it doesn't take off paint, doesn't leave marks yeah. is, the, is yeah. the good thing. Alternatively, if anyone in the comments knows, yeah. enlighten us. Well, no, just send us an email and then oh. we're going to take credit. Oh, and you know. yeah, and then we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. republish your email verbatim, but with but with no your byline. We're going to rewrite it a little bit. I mean, oh, verbatim would be kind of lame. Uh, <laughs> Twitter for Android, they updated the client. Yeah, have you used it? Um, yeah, I've been using it. It's like the same. Okay, I, I, I you can add. Um, Ryan you can, seemed to really like it. You can do. I mean, I don't know. You can do multiple accounts on it now. Oh, that's good. Uh, which is definitely nice. Um, As somebody who switches back and forth between iPhone and Android fairly regularly. The Twitter for Android client I always found a little bit lacking. Uh, it's just kind of chunky. Well, you use Windows yeah. 1 7, right? I do. It, how's the Twitter, oh, wow. Twitter client? There's a little it's thin too, right? Not, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. It's not great. Okay. Yeah. Good talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, mean, it's, I mean, it's basic and functional. Spotify? Anybody using Spotify still? Eh. I, I still haven't signed up. Okay. Although I understand that uh, my, my current clout score might qualify me for some sort of account. <laughs> I... M- Enough my, of us have it now that we can probably just invite you. Yeah, to. we can send you. Oh, okay, in. that'll yeah. work. Why, why were you checking my clout today? Because <laughs> uh, you had gotten a boatload of tweets when when we when when when, when we told everybody to wish you happy birthday. Ah, you got a shitload I of did. incoming messages. I did get a ton of at replies. Yes, and uh, that is one of the things that clout watches to see how okay. engaged you. Are. And I had gotten a whole bunch of uh, retweets the day before, <sighs> right, for the Bastion talking stuff, about right? talking about Bastion. I've gone up so. by one. Oh wow, you're beating me. <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> good job. Uh, we're not talking about. We have a no clout policy All on the right. podcast. Yeah. You know what? That's, it's that's pretty good, bullshit. That's a good policy to have. I think. I feel. I felt like we should have always had a no clout policy. And considering considering the regular lineup of the podcast, probably a necessary policy. No kidding. Yeah. The yeah. worst is when all of those social media bullshit blogs post their top clout lists, and that's it. Consumes Twitter. That's all anyone talks about. What is what is the highest clout score ever achieved <laughs> by man? I, I think know. it's a hundred, isn't it? Really? Isn't oh, it? Is that like as high as, that's as, that's as, it, goes. as high as it goes? I think it's out. a straight. It's a flick fix scale. This is something that I hope if it ever becomes more mainstream that South Park parodies. It would be rife for parody. And then it might put Norm and Gary and those guys into their place. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, So Spotify, I used it for a couple of days. I am finding it – like I like the fact that you can dump your own music into that Spotify cache on your phone. Yep. That's the only thing I like about it. It is not a service that is – I feel like that client is real chunky and kind of shitty. And I find it very weird that all the social social stuff, which is what I love about RDO, yeah. is all outside of the client. You know what kind of bugged me in Norm, too, is that there's no music discovery feature. That, what the heck? That's also super What dope. the heck? Like, basically, it's a way to share play. Like, if this had come out two years ago here, yeah. it would revolutionize things. But in a post-RDO world, I'm not particularly – like, I'm not, I'm not changing. See, it's, it's funny. I've been hearing people around the office really talk up RDO recently. And, like, I know we have it up in Canada – 
Um, I don't know what the selections like, but I mean, is this is this worth it? Do I want to jump into this, especially as someone who does not have a very large data cap on my phone? Um, well, the nice thing about both of these things is that you can mobile is optional. Mobile is optional. Well, mobile is optional in two senses. Yeah. One, you can cache whatever music you want on on a p- file on the phone. Yeah. So you don't use three G data at all. Sweet. Uh, two is that if you don't want to use it, if you just want to use it while you're sitting at your desk at work or something, you don't pay for the mobile stuff and it's five bucks a month cheaper yeah. or free in Spotify's case. So wait, d- does RDO also work in the sense that if I'm sitting at my desk and my phone is on Wi-Fi, I can from the desktop RDO client say, I want all of these to go on my phone. Yes. That is awesome. I would like that. Yes. The, I might pay for that. The only thing you can't – you have to pay 10 bucks a month for that on RDO. Mm-hmm. Basically, it, it's changed me into a place where I sample a lot more music hmm. and I only buy CDs for stuff that I'm thinking, I'm going to listen to this in 10 years. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that, that might be that might be good um, because, I mean, I, I probably count myself among one of those folks who's made you know a music purchase and then regretted it a week after. Well, yeah. I mean it's more – it's that I used to make a lot of speculative music purchases. Yeah, because I like I don't I don't like sitting and listening to the one minute sample. No. Um. And and okay. So one thing that Spotify does do really that's really nice is I think with the free version of Spotify you can listen to albums all you want as long as you don't mind the ads. Yeah, which apparently are incredibly jarring. That's fine. Yeah, that's the price you pay for being cheap. Right? I guess. Yeah. Um, RDO doesn't have a free a free plan. Although I wouldn't be surprised if that comes before too long. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I, yeah, there's just the speculative music purchasing has disappeared for me. It's not something I do <laughs> anymore. So I'll put, I'll add the album to RDO, listen to it a few times if I like it. And then I'll, I'll add it to my device. If I like it a lot, then I'll buy it. <laughs> so far this year, I think the only album I've actually bought from Amazon is that Danger Mouse, Daniel Loopy Rome thing. Yeah. Um, oh, and, great. and well, I bought, I bought the Kanye album, but I think that was last year now, wasn't it? Was that just early this year? I think it. I think it was last year. Yeah, and CeeLo. I bought that CeeLo album because that that fucking guy's just crazy and awesome. No one service can have all that power. Well, it turns out that you actually RDO <laughs> does have all those songs. So yeah, better lineup. Yeah. RDO better lineup and or just better catalog in general. Different lineup. Really? It's. I mean, yeah. it's hard to say what's better or what's worse. Spotify didn't have Arcade Fire, which seems like an enormous gaping hole to me. <laughs> Um, nobody has, there's stuff that nobody has. Sure. The, there's no Beatles, Led Zeppelin, yeah, any of that you stuff. You just can't expect that anyway. Yeah. Right. So. Except if you, I guess if you're using Spotify, you can expect it if you have it in your own collection. Right. Okay. Well, but it, but even then I, it's, I, I, people have explained this to me. Yeah. I kind of get how it works. Also, it kind of doesn't make sense. Okay. Um, so if I really, really want to listen to in through the outdoor, you have to make it available offline. Okay. And then you have to have your phone connected and. Like I, I, so it doesn't upload. It's not a locker. It's not, it's not a locker service. Okay, so it's not like Google or Amazon yeah. or cloud exactly sort of thing. Does iTunes have Zeppelin? iTunes does not have Zeppelin. No Zeppelin. Womp, womp. Any, no Zeppelin on the internet. At all. No digital Zeppelin outside of CDs. Um, it's funny how uh, you know. I guess the media has made much less of a deal of them holding out. I mean, obviously the Beatles are huge. It's a different, but I guess yeah. They're just they, they don't have to. But yeah. I, I mean. I, we should talk about that at a different time. We're we're running late, I'm realizing now. <laughs> yes. So I'm going to play the music, and then we're going to answer a couple of questions. Cool. And then outtakes. Our first question is from someone named Tom. Hello, Tested Pockets. This is Tom from Chisago City, Minnesota. Start off with my hometown trivia from a small town, 5,000 people in northern Minnesota, found in the 1850s by a bunch of random Swedish settlers. But one of the first ones was named Andrew Walmark, and he was kind of a badass, cool guy. He had six kids up to the age of 30. He 
He was a county sheriff. He served in the Civil War. And I actually attached his picture to the email because he had one of the best beards I've ever seen. My question actually is about purchasing a wireless router. Forever I've had a Linksys, the classic WRT54GL, you know, BNG router. A lot, enough of my devices are now wireless and that I'm looking to finally upgrade to a wireless end router. Uh, we have a fairly typical uh, three-level house. Router's going to be on the main floor. We have a couple computers downstairs. Four things are hardwired through Ethernet into the router and a computer downstairs. Just looking for any recommendations, ideas, because going online and looking at the number of routers out there right now is pretty mind-boggling. Otherwise, keep up the great podcast. I love listening every week. It's a pretty impressive beard. It's a hell of a beard. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to make this the podcast picture oh, so that people do. can enjoy it. Um, I like the mischievous look on his face, too. It's like, <laughs> what is he looking at just off camera? And there's a twinkle in his eye. Yeah. Uh, nobody wears that kind of tie anymore. It's like a Colonel Sanders yeah, tie. Yeah, I don't even know what you call that. Yeah. Uh, routers these days, you know, I used to be kind of ambivalent to say buy whatever's cheap. Yeah. I actually just bought an Asus, uh, whichever one you can run DDWRT and tomato the, on. The, R- the RN16, I think. RN16. Yeah, 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 something yeah, like that. One. It's awesome. Is it great? Fantastic. Because I have the, I have the same router as this guy and I have the same question. It's like I'm starting to feel like I should have yeah. N. It wasn't terribly expensive. Yeah. The nice thing about N is you get great, greatly enhanced range, seems like. I, I mean, I'm getting coverage in areas of my house that I used to have to use an access point to enhance before. Um, highly recommend it. And of all the of, of the N routers that are available that work with Tomato and DDWRT, which I would encourage you to just buy it, open it up, install that stuff and and never look back. Uh, this was the cheapest, and it seems to be very good. I might have to get one of those. Yeah, I, I, I like it a lot. The only thing stopping me, actually, is that my Linksys still works. It's still going, so it's kind of hard to replace. But, I mean, is that useful as, like, a bridge or, you know, is it is a, there some other role for that thing if I were to... to do, you, do you have something you can put tomato or DDWC on? Tomato, tomato on it, Okay, yeah. so you can use that as an access. So you can, there's two things you can do. If you have dead spots in your house, you can run an Ethernet cable to that dead spot. And then uh, use the router to like make another bubble of of Wi-Fi in your house, you know, as an access sure, point, just sure. pure access point mode. Or the other thing you can do is use it as a bridge. So say you have an Xbox or something like that, you don't have a wire running to it, you can plug this in, and you're not going to be able to stream video. You'll probably be able to do Netflix. You won't be able to stream like 720p or 1080p right. HD quality video. Uh, but but I mean it it'll be fine for playing games and stuff like that, downloading games and all that. So I've got an Xbox Slim, not to dwell on this topic yeah, too yeah. long, but I, I've got an Xbox Slim which has N mm-hmm. in it. Don't worry about, don't use it as a bridge. Then. Uh, so that's my question: Is it better to use N through over the air than to use a G router as a bridge and Absolutely. plug it plug it into that? Really? No 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 question. Okay, yeah. Always, okay. If if you have a device that natively supports N, use N. Okay. If you are trying to connect, like I guess a Wii is always Wi-Fi. There's no Ethernet on right. a Wii. Yep. Right. But if you're trying, if you have like an old PS3 or an old Xbox that doesn't have Wi-Fi built in, then or has a G built in, then using the bridge is fine. I think all PS3s have Wi-Fi. Don't they, they all have? They all have G, but I don't think they all have N. N. Yeah. No. Because N didn't exist yeah, yeah, yeah. when they when so, N started. So I have a, a launch PS3 that only has G and. And PS3's Wi-Fi has traditionally been awful. Like, pretty shitty. It's really bad at picking yeah. stuff up. So maybe using that, that yeah, thing absolutely. as a bridge is, is a good thing to do there. Well, and the other thing is if you have if you don't want to have your cable modem in in an area of your house where you know you need to be able to plug in a computer, it's good for that stuff too. Uh, next question. Hey, tested podcast. This is Ryan from Huntersville, North Carolina. I'll try to be quick for you. Um, headphones. Living with a roommate here in about a month or so. Don't want to annoy him with any of my music. Uh, I need a good pair of headphones that sound decent, but also have very little sound leakage. Don't want to uh, annoy him, like I said. Um, yep. 
I don't have any home. T- oh no, I do. Uh, I lived in Akron, <laughs> Ohio. I was born there. Um, Cuyahoga Falls is right next to it, and it has the Cuyahoga River, which is so polluted it has caught on fire. Yeah, multiple times. <laughs> That's Ohio for you. Thanks a bunch. See you. Akron is the rubber capital of the world. We learned last week. Yeah, there's a lot of people who call in from Akron. Yeah, this is two two for two. That's so far. <laughs> that place calls. smells great. Yeah, I think they cleaned up the river some. Yeah, I, it hasn't caught on fire in a few years. Doesn't doesn't, uh, doesn't rubber processing also generate I'm some? Sure, it's not good. Some odor. Yeah, it's probably farty, heady aroma. Yeah, it's, all paper was always the bad thing when I, when I was a kid. Ah, like, oh, yeah. You never wanted to drive through the town the with paper, the paper plant when they were when they were really cranking because. Smells like poop. Oh, is this like the 1920s? Really? Yeah. Oh, I've never smelled it before. I, I, like I knew super, that it smelled bad. I didn't super know, farty. I didn't know what the quality <laughs> of the smell uh, was. It's it's and it's not even like it's not even like a normal human fart. It's like when the dog eats something that it shouldn't oh, eat. And it's like no. it clears the room. When the smell is so bad that the dog vacates. <laughs> you know, you know that is some potency. Um so yeah, this question was about closed ear headphones. I don't really wear closed ear headphones. Well, what are these right now? These are These are Sennheiser um These are pretty decent. These are HD 202s and they're cheap. They are uh, cheap. Did he ask about like a headset? Bucks. Yeah. But they're more than that. Uh, really? Oh, I think we got them on a deal. I think Vinny bought like 20 of them. Well, yeah, Vinny buys them by the by the half bushel. He, he found a place to get them for like 20 yeah, bucks. Yeah, he knows a guy <laughs> right off the back of the truck wrapped in asbestos something like that. Um, these are fine. The the if you're looking for a gaming headset, I know Sennheiser makes some closed ear headset headphones that are quite good. Mm-hmm. These these still get a little sweaty, even though they're yeah. kind of partially open. Just look for over the ear. If you're going to spend some real money, then those Astro A40s are are really good for games. I like them a lot, but they are way overpriced at two hundred and fifty dollars or whatever they sell them for. Yeah, there was uh, there was I think a similarly priced um, Bose model that a friend of mine is using that he don't buy swears Bose. by. Don't buy Bose. Don't at all. Any kind of Bose ever. Don't buy Bose. I, I'm generally Bose, with you. The answer is never Bose. Yeah. The Bose is the monster cable of oh I, oh, I know. In, in general, it's, it's, I think the their noise-canceling stuff is the only thing I've ever heard was like even remotely worth the, the price. All that noise-canceling stuff, I, I think you're much better off using a pair of noise-isolating earbuds than yeah. the noise-canceling stuff because all the noise-canceling things do is generate pink noise that just drowns out whatever it is that you're not hearing. They don't actually block the noise. So you end up getting even deafer as a result of the, of the pink noise stuff because you can turn stuff up louder. It's not, it's, I, don't, I don't think that's good technology. Um, the, uh, so Sennheiser does closed over the ear stuff. That's pretty good and ranges in price depending on what you're looking for, especially if you want a headset. I, I think that they're making the, the best inexpensive headsets. You can get a, a headset from them for like 50 or 60 bucks. Mm-hmm. The microphones are okay. Um, and they're analog. So you can plug them into, if you have a USB dongle, if you have a mix amp or something like that, you can plug them all in and it just works. Uh, cool. So that will do it for questions for us this week. If you have a question, the email is podcast at tested.com. Keep it short. Under a minute's good. I like less than a minute. You know, don't yeah. don't think you need to stretch whatever you do. <laughs> uh, use a microphone levelator if you want. Ryan says I'm a bad person for suggesting that, but I'm I'm cool with it. And uh and uh hometown trivia, always welcome. No WMA. That's the last bet. And that will do it for this uh Special, very special Hooray. episode for the of BMW episode. Yeah, the BMW. BMW is driving off into the sunset. <laughs> I, I, you know, I can't help but notice that the B comes first in in, in your in your Brad suggested yeah. acronym. We're all in this together. Okay, come on. Okay, except for those of us who are last. Yeah, I see how it is. <laughs> um, we'll be back as always on Thursday with another episode of This Is Only a Test. Stay tuned for some fake outtakes. I'm going to play a song now. Hi there. I didn't see you. Tested.
planet. I love being on one. <laughs> Thanks for coming out, Brad. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. I'm sure this is a rare treat. We'll have to get you back sometime. Rare occasion. Next time there's a slow news week, we'll, yeah. we'll bring you on. We'll talk about PC games. Excellent. Because yes. that seems yeah. like a good topic. Especially these days. Well, different topic for different time. But, yep. but you know, this morning was the last landing of the space shuttle ever. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a little sad. Until they fly to museums and stuff. Was anybody a little nervous about the landing? I was it's like there was, was there was one last leg of this last mission that they had yet to complete and stuff could still go wrong and it would really cast a pall over. I mean, not that there isn't enough of one already because <laughs> yeah, they've already killed a lot of people. program dude. is fucking gone. Right. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, we still have robots. Well, yeah. Okay, our man, man, yeah, man, space program. Well, is, we have international done. space station. Yeah, but we have to. B- got to use the Russians. Got to piggyback on foreign rockets to get up there now. Well, that is true. I, I mean, I was literally thinking as they were t- saying, well, well, their launch window, landing window is 7.30 this morning. I was like, man, it is literally like that the the, the cliche cop that's like, man, I'm, I'm three days from retirement. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I don't want to go out there. This is, a, you know, or, or of course, the guy in the army who is, you know, I'm not going on that last mission, Sarge. I go home in two days. <laughs> My stomach hurts. Very lethal weapon. I mean, you, you, yeah. you would hope after Columbia that they have ironed out the reentry process. Hope, well, now we well. Don't, now, Clearly, now, you know, well, they do they that whole thing now where when they dock at the space station, they flip the shuttle around and they visually look at the bottom of the right. tiles. And is that tile okay? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Is that tile okay? You think that's the voice they use? Yeah. Astronauts, I find, always have like a West Virginia accent, Chuck Yeager style. Oh, yeah. Do you ever notice that? This is a bit. What does that sound like? I'm trying to. I'm trying Ladies to, and gentlemen, I'm we're coming in yeah, for yeah, a yeah. Four, four by four on the on runway 37. If you look over to your right, you can see the Grand Canyon. It's that one. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'm conflicted on the space shuttle. Like it, it is because yeah, I'm old enough that I mm-hmm. remember the very first the very first launches. Like that was that is an early memory for me. What was that like 80, 81? Yeah. yeah, it was when John Crippen and or Mark Cripp, Mike Crippen, John Young. John Young is the one I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, they did the you know the first two seater shuttle launches, and they had ejector ejector seats and all sorts of crazy shit back then. Yeah, that was back when the space shuttle's external fuel tank was still painted white. <laughs> and then somebody said, you know, if we didn't paint this thing, we could carry a lot more stuff. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I wonder what the I wonder what the weight of all that paint was. It's on the internet. We can find that. Yeah, that is that is information we can we can collect. I mean, yes. what's the dollar figure per pound that you're trying to get into orbit? Well, I think they've a lot. They wanted to get a thousand dollars a pound, wasn't it, or ten thousand dollars a pound? I think that's I what. I, yeah, I think that's what. I that was what they told. That's when 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 they were pitching this to Nixon. Yeah, thousand dollars a pound. Now, was Nixon really the one that okayed the space? Nick, Nick, it started. Order? It started 20, 15 years before it launched. Well, yeah, yeah sure. It would, yeah, yeah. So it would have been Nixon. I mean, oh, seventy-two. Ugh. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a but it, I mean, for me, the space shuttle was a lot of the promise of space, and then there was a snow day in nineteen eighty-six. In February, and I was sitting at home watching one of the three channels. Back in the old days, we only had three channels on TV, kids. Reading Calvin and Hobbes, as you were probably wanting to I do at the time? No, I was – in 1986, I would have been 11. Maybe Calvin and Hobbes. Okay. Probably far side by then. Ah, yes. Um, yeah, and, and I watched the I watched it blow up live yeah. on TV. So are you sure it was a snow day? February. I, I've tried to remember, but you don't know for a fact. Absolutely. Because I've tried to remember for years why I was at home yeah, it was, when it, I saw that. There was probably a blizzard. We were up. close enough I mean, that we could have gotten hit by the same thing. Yeah. yeah. All right. I mean, I was sitting at home and, and it was like, oh, special report, space shuttle launch. Because they still had space shuttle launches on TV back yeah, then, yeah. too. Yeah. People still cared. Um, and, and, I, and we were sitting there like, and my, I was like, do you think they could have survived that? 
And mom was like, oh, I'm, I'm sure. You know, they have safety <laughs> stuff. And my little sister was like, I, I don't know. I was like, I don't think so, man. That doesn't look good. Yeah, there's not really any bits left there. Well, no. The, the, they the, found the cabin. The chilling, the chilling part of that whole thing is that – They were probably alive until impact. The, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, that uh, I think three of the seven emergency oxygen systems were deployed after the explosion. Yeah. Like they, at least three of them were conscious enough after it blew up. Yeah. Because the, the command capsule or whatever, the, the cockpit area was propelled like another 20,000 feet yeah. above the explosion. <laughs> yeah, ballistic. And Yeah, and it, it's uh, awful to think yeah, about. Yeah, sounds, sounds like it would be a, not good yeah. a, a lot. And that footage of like all the families there for the launch. Oh, God. Like, the seconds after it blew up. I've ugh. Well, and the other thing was it was the, sp- it was the teacher. Yeah. So that's why – that's the other reason all the kids – even if you were in school, weren't at home on a snow day, all the, all the kids were watching. It was like, first teacher in space. Oh, man, this is awesome. We had a – senator in space a while ago mm-hmm. and then there was some other stuff and I, I can relate to a teacher and then that not so didn't work out so well yeah um so that's kind of a bummer and and then it never really recovered like for when they when they initially pitched the space shuttle program they were talking about doing launches twice a month and it would be like a non-stop thing yeah. and it would open the door to space for the future and the national aerospace plane was the next step on that where you could take off and land from runways and that, that didn't work out. Well, so that well. was the original sort of plan for the space shuttle. I mean, it was supposed to be more of sort of like a very, very, very high orbit and then land again, right? Yeah. Um, um, I don't know about that. But, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And well, then they the, crippled it to low Earth orbit and yes. reduced its capability because, you know, there's a lot of money in geosynchronous satellites and, and it, the space shuttle can't really get there. I mean, it, it basically became a pack mule, right? Kind yeah. Of a bus. Yeah. Yeah. There's I, I've got a story in my bookmark somewhere. It's it's fascinating where it basically lays out all of the original plans for the space shuttle and then how everything was either scrapped or changed to, I guess, fit the uh, the changed goals. Well, and it's all it's there's a lot of stuff. A lot of that was pork barrel stuff where, you know, it was changed because they wanted the boosters to be built in Louisiana. And then they mm-hmm. had to figure out how to get the boosters from Louisiana to Florida. And that changed the mission profiles in a big way. And. And then the other thing that turns out probably wasn't so smart was putting the people right next to an enormous tank full of hydrogen and oxygen. <laughs> not not so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's it eventually ended up being a program that existed solely to service the space station. Yeah, which was kind of dopey for other re- cool. I mean, I'm glad that it's there. I'm glad that we're doing that, and it's neat. And I look up and they see it fly over. I'm like, wow, that's really bright and and fancy. Yeah, but. You know, maybe this is a op- good opportunity for us to reset and start over and have a space program that actually has aims that are beyond low Earth or- orbit. I mean, I, I I don't know. I'm not a space – I'm not that kind of space guy. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen with this administration though. It's clearly not a priority. Uh, well, it turns out the economy is not real good right now. <laughs> yeah, but that, I mean that – you can't you, – the, there's no validity to arguments about the amount of money. Well, that goes into this stuff. The validity is. Like, have you seen some of these figures popping up recently? I mean, this stuff's been coming out in oh, light yeah. of the end of the space shuttle program. Yeah, the, the, the like, amount of air conditioning that we spend in Iraq every year or yeah. Afghanistan <laughs> now is less than the space, is more than the space, yeah. than the, 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 the manned space flight program. Or that the, the amount that's been spent on those two wars in the last two years exceeds the total amount of NASA's budget since its inception. Well, yeah, the other one that I liked the other day is, is and this, is back, this was speculation, not backed up by fact, but a guy on the radio was talking about the amount of money we spent on two wars to secure an oil supply. Um, is equal to the amount of money that it would have taken to probably develop some alternative fuel system, so we didn't have to worry about the oil supply anymore. Right. Yeah, that's that's an argument I've heard before. As well. I mean, that that's we're it's fairly ridiculous. Um, I'm hoping that when I hit my 40s, maybe 50s, I will be writing about the next generation of spacecraft at that point. And that will be kind 21-ish of 21 ish now. Yeah, I, I think it'll probably take about you know another at least. 
10 to 15 years again. That might be the case. It's just a question yeah. of which nation brings it to fruition. Who will do it, yeah. Yes. Um, so – Because, well, before we move on, I mean who do we have right now that is capable or has some sort of space program? We have US. We have Russia. We have China. China. Um, yeah. Wasn't like one of the South Asian or like India. India. Or, India. India is, yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you uh, just, just talking manned spaceflight? Yeah, okay. I guess manned spaceflight, yeah. Oh, no, nobody has manned spaceflight then. I think China has manned spaceflight. No, Russia, Russia still well, Russia Russia does. Obviously. Yeah. 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 So but, US, I mean, that's Russia. the same as it always China. has been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, didn't China have a, a manned uh, Yeah, they something? sent the first uh, thing up a while ago, didn't they? Yeah, and then nothing ever came after that. No. I don't know how long ago that was. I don't. I don't know that that actually. Don't derail it, Smith. I don't know that they launched. Do they? I don't remember whether they launched a capsule that could be a man capsule or if they launched a capsule with men. Yeah, that's true, actually, um, because I remember there was definitely a capsule, but whether it was manned or not, human spaceflight. Well, whether it's happened yet, I mean, China is ascendant in all things industrial, right? Like, yeah, it's on the way. It's going yes. to happen, and it's going to happen with national with space gusto. Uh, no, it looks like everything else is – it's just the United States and Soviet Union. Oh, wait. Huh. No, hold on. Romania has a, a program. They're sending space – they're sending people up with us though. Ah. Same with yeah. Canada. Yeah. yeah. Same with Canada. We were oh, actually – no, no, no. uh, Hold on. Uh, uh, China has an astronaut. There we go. Yang Louis, October fifteenth, two 2003. Long March F2, 2F. Hmm. And it looks like – I don't know what else has happened. And their, their own uh, – their own rocket designs and stuff. This is their yeah. own rocket designs. Yeah. yeah, the Long March 2F is a Chinese rocket. It looks a lot like a Russian rocket. Yeah, it totally does. The, the, uh, the This whole debate has actually kind of prompted some discussion of the uh, the role of the Canadian space program uh, up in Canada, which, you know, obviously has always relied on. You guys are focused mostly know, on robotic arms. Robotic right? arms. <laughs> and, yeah. Hey, we, we've had a we've had a respectable number of uh, Canadian astronauts up in space. Or oh, drone. yeah, you've had yeah. a lot of I know. Canadian astronauts. Uh, one of the people on Challenger was Canadian, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, we've, we've, we've had quite a few over the years. I mean, I think that's why – I think someone wrote some ridiculous editorial about, you know, well, hey, why don't we start up our own Cape Canaveral North – Bullshit, you guys which are I kind don't of, think is I don't think orbital mechanics work above a certain point. No, they they really don't. I mean, that's that's the always the fascinating thing as well about space flight is that, you know, locations like Kennedy um Space Center and uh I guess well, what do you have on the West Coast? Was there was there well, ever one they, on the West? they were theoretically able to launch from Edwards, but I don't think they ever did. Right. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking of. But yeah, I mean that that was all chosen for very specific reasons. Yeah. Because that that was the other thing actually I was thinking of earlier when we were talking about the shuttle is originally I believe this shuttle design called for them to do um, very, very uh, – not the orbits that they do now, but they wanted to do a different set type of orbit. Yeah, so they? they do polar orbits now yeah. and they wanted to be able to do – they wanted to be able to reach geosynchronous orbit because that's yeah. where all the communication satellites are and there's massive amount of money in that. Yeah. But the way they launch geosynchronous satellites from the shuttle is that they fly to low Earth orbit mm-hmm. and then they shoot a thing out of the bay and then there's another rocket on that that boosts it up to geosynchronous orbit. Yeah. So that's why when those kinds of satellites conk out, they're fucked. They just they just rot. Yeah. You can't go up and fix them. Uh, whereas the shuttle, no get there. yeah, you can't. We we can't get there from here. Um, or I guess I mean maybe we could get there, but getting back might be a problem yeah. at that point because now like, you just mash the brakes and and you know it works itself out. Yeah. So, watched so anyway. Apollo thirteen on the weekend and that made me kind of sad. Yeah. I, I'm 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 despite having misgivings about the amount of money that we've spent on shuttle and the and the kind of results from it. Yeah. I'm bummed that it's that we don't have manned space flight in the United States anymore. That's a bummer. And by extension, I'm I'm bummed because you are our gateway, right? Because your hat, our hat, <laughs> no longer has manned space flight. Yep. 
Uh, and then the other thing I saw today that I thought was kind of cool, I'm just going to talk about it a little bit, is that some dudes figured out how to generate power by putting sheets of graphene between a material and moving water. So graph- graphene is flat carbon nanotubes. It's just a single atom thick hmm. layer of carbon. And you like basically put it on like foil or something like that, I assume. There's probably some crazy expensive, very complex way to do it. Mm-hmm. But they can generate very small amounts of electricity by running water over that. Now, how small are we talking? Nanowatts. <laughs> but they're, you're also talking about a very small piece of graphene because I right. don't think they can make graphene particularly big at this point. So if they, if they gave me like a, I don't know, a chunk of graphene, then that could theoretically power maybe like a digital clock. Maybe a very thin sheet of graphene. Okay. Maybe a calculator. But like lots of lots of. You just need to keep spitting on it. Um, well, you know what I immediately thought of? Yep. This is good. This shows you where my, my, my head's at. You know the automatic flushers on urinals and toilets at airports and bars and stuff? Self-powered. No longer do they have to have batteries. <laughs> Damn. I've started seeing um, solar solar panels on yeah. the tops of those. Have you seen that? No. On what? On toilets? Yeah, on, on like the urinal the urinal things at airports. No way. So I suppose they can get generate enough electricity off of the off of the fluorescent lights in there. Wow. To flush indefinitely. <laughs> Never stop flushing. See, but that's that's almost like cheating because, I mean, you are burning one source of fuel to power oh. the lights just so you can – like, I, I know. I know. It's still cool, but – Well, it's more about the labor involved in changing those batteries because I yeah. think those batteries are like year batteries. They're li- big big lithium batteries, but they all, still only last like a year. Wouldn't that suck to be the guy that has to go the into the washroom and change the batteries in the urinals? <laughs> Say it's probably the guy who also cleans the urinals. So that's probably his favorite part of the job. <laughs> I don't have to stick my hand in the urinal. The I put it behind the that's urinal. The part where he He's not touching pee. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine how expensive the urinal would be that is lined with carbon nanotubes? <laughs> imagine in our, our future economy, you would have people stripping urinals not for like copper or but, – but for those, gra- <laughs> <laughs> for those graphene sheets. Um, what exactly is a carbon nanotube? I mean is it literally carbon atoms arranged in a tube-like structure? One or? layer of carbon in a tube form. So okay. where uh, normally stuff arrays in like a random – semi-random but rigid grid, like a mm. crystalline grid. Right. Uh, it is a circular – it's just a tube. Okay. It's, it's, it, it, whereas a buckyball is a carbon sphere that's like a Buck, Buckminster fullerene dome configuration right. kind of. Right. A tube is that but with no closed two, – two open ends. I feel like the best way to think about it is almost like looking at a cross section of a piece of cardboard where you have all those little tubes. So what from a Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. I feel I feel very ignorant here, but what from a mechanical perspective, what's the benefit? Is it like some sort of structural there, there's, uh, benefit to it? Like is it especially rigid or I think well there's a bunch of stuff that happens. I don't I don't this all happened after I was finished with college, so I stopped learning about science on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, never never stop that. Um well my understanding is that it has very interesting properties both mechanical and electrical and thermal too. Mm-hmm. So it transmits heat very well. Um, Cause you know, if you, if you think about it, like it has a lot of the properties of diamond, but without the inherent problems of diamond and that it is very expensive and hard to manufacture and all that stuff. Um, my understanding is that nanotubes conduct electricity very well because the, the, there's a pretty much a straight path for electrons to go through, through the different atoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a bunch of other stuff that's kind of interesting as a side prospect of that, they superconduct at lower temp at, at, at unusual temperatures. Hmm. Um, and I think that they have very high 
they're they're very strong in certain ways, whether it's tensile strength or or whatever. I don't I don't know the specifics on that stuff. I'm going to go read about that. Yes, this is a perfect opportunity to go visit a Wikipedia page again. If anyone in the comments wants to clarify, yeah, please do. Yeah, and on that note, I guess that's it for fake outtakes. This is a really long podcast, guys. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Thank Matt. You. We'll be back with the normal show uh, next week, probably. I think we might have a special guest who's never appeared before. <laughs> is it Steve?